How's that arm? Better than the Joker's. Close one this time. Mm. They're all close ones. Well, here's to survival. Hopefully we'll be doing this again next New Year's Eve. Hopefully. And now, Joe, if I could get one of your famous cheese steaks to go, I'll be ready to call it a night. Anything for you? One of these years, I'm going to beat him to the check. Hey, everybody. This is the Bat Fans Without Pat. Oh, no, no. We should change our name. We, we forgot to change our name, Tim. I know. This is we're recording on January 1st, 2015. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, well anyway, before we get kicked off this this network i should say this podcast is part of the batman universe podcast network yeah we're gonna think of a name that goes with the podcast batman universe podcast network (laughs) bat fans yeah what did we say was gonna be our name timmy time and the bat fan revolution timmy time was in there somewhere yes (laughs) timmy time and the bat fan revolution there we go (laughs) that's gonna be our new name all right Uh, i like it (laughs) <laughs> all right, let's do that again. All right, hello everybody, and welcome to the Timmy Time and the Bat Fan Revolution podcast. This is episode number seventy-four. This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network. How does that sound? Uh, this sounds too perfect. <laughs> it all went together nicely. Yeah, I mean that's like like a yeah. a band like a seventies band name or something like that. <laughs> Well, that's Prince Prince's bad name, the Revolution. That's so it's right. Prince and the Revolution. So instead of Prince, we're gonna be called Timmy Time. See, it's all tying in together from what we were talking about on previous episodes. <laughs> we were having that yeah. discussion about Prince. Like, oh, what was his band name? I thought, did he ever have a band name? <laughs> <You're> like, yes, <laughs> he did. <laughs> yeah. So, so this is a new year. We're recording this on January first, twenty fifteen. So. Looking back at 2014, did we learn anything about podcasting, uh, hosting a podcast, <laughs> uh, Batman, Batman podcasts? Did we improve our game at all in the year 2014? <laughs> Since when we started in 2012? <laughs> I doubt it. I highly doubt that. Uh, we've probably learned lo- like nothing in the, in the time that we've had this podcast. But I mean, hey, that's that's just our podcast, right? If anything, we got worse. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, according to that comment, we talk about baseball too much. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. If anything, yeah, we go, we're talking less about Batman, more about baseball in 2014. <laughs> That's okay. We'll, we'll talk less about baseball so wh- whoever that was um, won't st- won't get mad at us or, or anybody else that feels that same way. So, so we'll stop doing that, right, Tim? Until the 2015 season starts. <laughs> oh, yeah. It starts all over again. Or if there's like a big trade or something, it, then we'll talk about it. Yeah. But maybe just not as much anymore. <laughs> we don't want to alienate people coming in for a Batman podcast and then you get a half hour of Oakland A's and Yankees talk <laughs> about their prospects <laughs> and their trades. The bad trades, yeah. good trades, and who they should have picked up or who who they should just get rid of. Maybe that should be our goal in 2015. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Less of the uh, baseball fanboy talk, I guess. <laughs> all right, so that's one. We should probably have another one. What's our goal for 2015 for this podcast? 
besides just uh, making it through to December for The Force Awakens coming out. <laughs> yeah, besides that. Uh, well, see, I would, I would say that, uh, that for Batman versus Superman, but that's still 2016. That's that's what irks me about 2015. Of all the cool things that that might happen this year, we could have had Batman versus Superman this year, but no, it got pushed back to 2016. <laughs> I still think they could have, production-wise, I think they still could have made it. I mean, they've been wrapped for a few months now, and it, I think the original release date was July of 2015, like middle of July, something like that. I think that would have been a plenty of time to get post-production done for it, but still. You never know. I mean, it could have been like a big problem. And, I mean, you know, it, it is better to be pushed back than to have it rushed, yes, yeah. but still, I think they could have made it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, speaking of movies, there is going to be a new film from... Uh, Brett Culp, who directed uh, Legends of the Night, it's going to be called Rising Rising Hero. Yes, I think that's what it's called. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be called Rising Hero, and everybody should support it because I mean he did a knockout job with with Legends of the Night, and if it's anything, if it's going to be anything like Rising Hero is going to be, then it should be well worth supporting. Yeah, definitely. I saw this tweet about that, and then. Yeah, you responded with the same. It's like what you said here. If it's anything like Legends of the Night, yeah, it's definitely worth the support. I totally agree. I mean, I'm just curious what it's going to be about, though. It's going to be about uh, the It's going to be about. It's going to be about a guy that flies. (laughs) Because you know, rising, or maybe he's going to catch an elevator to the top floor. Is that the movie? I mean, it's going to be like a movie about this guy that's afraid of elevators now. Like super afraid of riding in elevators or escalators because escalators go high too. Um, and hmm, You're just gonna let's leave it at that. That sounds like a documentary. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> you know I don't want to spoil it for anybody. You, you know, so the hero's gonna rise. Yeah, even if that is what it's about, like you said, it'd still be something that's worth supporting if it's anything like Legends of the Night, <laughs> just someone riding in the elevator. <laughs> I mean, well, it'll be Dark Knight uh, Rises, really. If it is, if it is, I'm sure it'll be really, really good because the Legends of the Night is really good yeah. too. But uh, yeah, so just look out for that and support it. I don't know if he's gonna do a Kickstarter again, but definitely, you know, give some money to that. I haven't really given my money to any Kickstarter, Tim. But this might be Have the you? first. <laughs> yeah. Have you? Um, not really a Kickstarter uh, thing. I've, I've seen some, but it's like <laughs> for the ones I've seen, it's like kind of a long shot. So <laughs> we don't know if this is gonna happen. Like we desperately need your help, but like their goal is like so far off that like doesn't look like it's gonna make it. So. Yeah. It's like three days left, and they still gotta get like fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> so, like, some like astronomical number that's <laughs> like not gonna be. It's a, a good idea though, right? I mean, it's like, oh, it's a new video game or something. Yeah. The game looks good, and but like nobody donated to them. It's awesome when it's successful. I mean, like like yeah. you said, independent video games or just like these film projects. Even like it's really cool when people do support it and end up getting made. So it's awesome when it works. But I'm just curious what the amount is as far as like how many Kickstarter campaigns actually get put out there and like the success rate on them. If it's like so substantially different from the success and the failure ones. Yeah, what guarantees that whoever made the Kickstarter is going to deliver on their 
their I don't know what you call it goals or oh yeah or like the perks they give you like for how much you donate stuff like yeah that. like you maybe like you know if you donate twenty dollars you get a free shirt yeah with it and the the final product I mean you're taking a really big risk there right because the final product could come out if it comes out and it could be the worst thing you've ever played or saw or purchased in your life yeah so there's no guarantee right no there's not yeah and you gotta be pretty confident that the person who started the kickstarter will send you <laughs> the items that you're supposed to get with your uh oh donation. yeah you're right like something like if you donate like thousand dollars or something like that you're expecting something really good how, how much would it suck if you never got it you got screwed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well that's why i don't support kickstarters but well, we maybe we really. should start our own Kickstarter campaign for bad fans. I don't know what for, for but <laughs> <laughs> how about like uh, <laughs> how about like a um, a Kickstarter for like twenty dollars, so that we could donate that to charity. Twenty dollars to charity. Can can, you, can we do that? Twenty dollars. Uh, that's a pretty steep for us, I would think, <laughs> with our four or five listeners. <laughs> Well, we know why he's not going to donate any money because, because uh, the American dollar is stronger than the Australian dollar. Yeah. So he's going to end up paying more. Yeah. Right? Or maybe he could just pull the whole $20 out we're asking for by himself <laughs> since the exchange rate is so different. <laughs> well, he does, he does need money to send like a bunch of Amazon stuff to Australia. So we got to think about that. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, yeah. If you see anything about the Rising Hero uh, film that Brett Culp is doing, you really want to support it or read about it or donate to his project. So, and and that'll be my first Kickstarter. I just realized that that'll be my first Kickstarter if he decides to put it on Kickstarter. Cool. I'll be curious to see like what perks you get for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want the film. I don't really. I don't want a T-shirt or anything. Or I think for Legends, Legends of the Night, you got put in the credits at the end. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, but you had to donate like enough money, right? I, I like, don't remember what the amount was, dollars. but yeah, I don't, I don't know if it was that much. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah. So go support that, and we're gonna keep on talking about movies and do our Dark Knight Rises minute by minute commentary thing stuff. For 2015, this is going to be our first one for 2015, Tim. Yes, it is. We're almost at minute 30. It would have been nice if we kicked off the year with a nice, like, round even number <laughs> or minute that we started the commentary on. But we're two minutes off, so <laughs> we just got to see if we can get out of uh, the John Blake Bruce conversation scene. <laughs> this is our third one. <laughs> Let's see. Did did John Blake already say, "I know who you are"? Blah 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 blah. I saw you with that hot girl and blah, 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 blah. I don't think we got there yet. But again, we were just okay, trying to talk okay. about all the surrounding furniture and everything on the last episode. <laughs> it's a nice decoration in the background that you see for one scene. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah we're not going to make it out, out this episode. So maybe just keep on going. Yeah, maybe that'll be minute 30. <laughs> so we might get out of this scene. But yeah, we're on minute 28, going to t minute 29, so just get your media, whatever that is, and 
just cue it up to the 28th minute. You should see a picture of John Blake looking all serious. Are you ready, Tim? I am set. Okay. All right. Three, two, one. Hit play. And he still has that serious look on his face. Yep. <laughs> He's probably talking about something very serious to Bruce. So I don't think they're t- he's talking about how no one understands about the kid being angry all the time and that they put on a happy face. It's just an act. Oh, so so he told Bruce that he knew that. Yeah, now he's described how it's like putting on a mask. Now he's starting to go into the day he showed up with that girl in his new car. Oh. So, ain't he smiling? So <laughs> we got out of the serious face to the smiling <laughs> face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's a it's a serious kind of smile. Because this conversation is really serious. Yeah, now he's back to serious face. Yep. And that's when he knew. And Bruce is very serious. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he smiles at all with me. <laughs> I don't think he smiles at all in the Dark Knight trilogy. <laughs> at the end when he sees Alfred. I think. Oh, yeah. Well, that's like a half a smile. Yeah. Oh. And we're not going to make it out. <laughs> uh, we're just, we're that close, though. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we were close. At least John Blake got up off that couch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's been sitting on for like like a month and a half now. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine how sore his butt's going to be. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> well, it wasn't look like a comfy couch, so maybe it won't be too sore. Yeah, I mean, Bruce, Bruce Wayne is rich, so you know he has a good couch. <laughs> Plus, that's the one thing he doesn't spend his money on, his nice furniture. He, he spends it elsewhere. <laughs> That's well, because he already had it. I mean, this is all antique furniture. That's true, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, probably his parents bought it. Yeah, he yeah. probably didn't buy any new furniture, really. Or it was Alfred. inherited from their parents. Yeah. <laughs> right? All Bruce uh, probably pretty much added was for the back game. Yeah. <laughs> well, he did rebuild it, right? Because he burnt it down, so... Yeah, so money... Yeah, got built. Yeah, money definitely had to go there. Yeah, so... Anyway... Tim, tell the good people at home about what will be our first feature topic of 2014. Yes, our 2015 feature topic is going to be a look back at 2014. Oh, man, I, I screwed that up. <laughs> <laughs> 2015, I mean, Tim. <laughs> you said 2015, I thought. Oh, did I? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, who cares? I mean, I'll end up sounding stupid. So. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's just like whenever we have to write. Uh, 2015, when like the first month of January, you're gonna be put in 2014 for a while. So, and I hate that. I do that all the time. Yeah, all the time at work, and like at the bank when you need to sign something and date it, and it's like, uh, <laughs> sorry, I gotta scratch that out. Put a five at the end. It might be a little easier this year for me because it's been waiting for 2015 to get here for Star Wars. Uh, so it's like, yes, finally, I can put that still, five. I mean, it's you might as well stay, say it's still a year off. No, we are under a year, and it's coming out this year. We could say that. It's official now. Stop trying to make it farther than what it actually is. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I, I saw your favorite movies of 2015. Mm. Apparently, I was the only one that thought Guardians of the Galaxy was okay. Yeah, it, it, from you, it's not too surprising. <laughs> I know you're not the biggest fan of the Marvel movies, though. It's like... One I know you'd probably enjoy it, but you probably wouldn't think it's as great. I mean, I thought uh, Chris Pratt was good in it. Mm. Yeah, I just thought all the characters were great. It was funny. The effects were good. Uh, yeah, I loved it, as you could tell <laughs> from yeah. what the top movies pick. 
I mean, I don't even know why they needed Bautista in that. The, his character, whatever his character's name is. Drax the Destroyer. Oh, <laughs> nerd. I'm <laughs> <laughs> proud of it. Uh, Take a wild guess what's going to be my number one movie this year. <laughs> is it going to be that new romantic comedy that's coming out pretty soon? Uh, which one? There's like tons of them at this time of year. Really? Yeah, like the holidays and like the dead month of January, February is when like all the romantic comedies come out. Well, so, so the movie studios just put out their crap. Exactly. That nobody, yeah. <laughs> that nobody wants. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. Yeah, anyway. 2014. Yeah. I, I thought Guardians of the Galaxy was just okay. It was a good movie, but I don't know. Like, people on Twitter and, like, around the internet are saying, I mean, say it's, like, the greatest movie ever made. Well, and never made, I, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought that villain was forgettable, uh, whoever that was. Mm. I, I don't even remember his name. See, that's how forgettable he is. Ronan. <laughs> Ronan, whatever. Uh... And I thought besides Chris Pratt and Uhura, <laughs> uh, um, they didn't really need those other three people. Uh, the the I tree totally and disagree uh, on that. <laughs> tree and uh, the rocket, rocket the was, rabbit. Rocket yeah, was yeah, the, the best the, character. Yeah, the raccoon and uh, Bautista's character. Ah, Dang, you're killing me. <laughs> what it's it's like it was their story and like the other three guys were just there because I, I, they needed I, to fill up that spaceship. No, I felt it was a, what made the movie work that it was everyone's story. They all had like a part to play in it. And what you said about the villain being forgettable, yeah, I could see that. But at the same time too, like like I felt it was fine that it worked okay with yeah. it because it, yeah, and, the story and, and focused that, on the main characters. If you focus on the villain a lot more too, what it yeah. took from introducing the five main characters of the movie. I don't know. I don't get it because I mean that whole Glenn Close part of the movie. Mm. It didn't even need that. That was the climactic. I, I, di- I didn't get it. <laughs> I didn't like it. I didn't know why she was there. Well, um, she, was the, she was the leader of that whole core on the planet. So the planet's under attack. She had to show her face somewhere in there to kind of go over the situation and try yeah, to no, but, that strategy. But I, did, I, I didn't care about that whole plot line about like, oh, these guys are like rebels. And then, you know... There's like a federation of planets or something. <laughs> like, well, see, I don't, I don't even planet. know what it's about. I mean, I don't even know what it's about. And they did not need uh, that blue guy with the mohawk. Oh, Yandu. <laughs> well, yeah, but he wasn't an essential character. So he's like, yeah, it's like okay, he's there. But like, there was so much time spent on him, and yeah, I could see that. But it's like he was a minor character for me. I don't know. I, I I just thought that they wasted too much time on thing uh, on expanding their universe or whatever, because I don't know. Maybe I thought this was gonna be like a Han Solo solo movie. Uh, yeah, maybe that was your fault. It's more of an ensemble yeah. than just focusing on one. I'm sure Chris Pratt's character Peter Quill is the main character, but the movie is about all five of them. So yeah, but you see, I I, I didn't. I don't mean to be disrespectful to anybody that liked the movie, but <laughs> I didn't really care for the other characters, like the raccoon, the the rocket raccoon, and those two other guys, <laughs> Bautista, Groot and, and Drax. <laughs> yeah, Groot and Drax. Yeah, I I just didn't really, you know, I mean, yeah, it's like they have a storyline, but 
it, it's it, it was kind of like the backup story to a comic, where it's just like, oh, why did they put this? Why did they even put this in here? No, I feel disrespected now, Dane. How could you? <laughs> <laughs> We're done. <laughs> We're stopping our first episode of 2015 is our last because Dane disrespected me. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I I don't know why people like that movie so much. I could I couldn't really get into it. I think. Maybe because a lot of people didn't know what to expect with it, and then it ended up being really good. But I think if you're someone who hadn't seen it right away, didn't really have a desire to see it, and you keep hearing how great it was, it maybe got built up yeah. a little too much, and then it was like, eh. <laughs> you really didn't see it as good you as You know what it reminds did. me of? It reminds me of the next generation Star Wars movie, I mean, Star Trek movies. But see, I never even seen those. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I heard they're not it, too it, good. Yeah, it reminds me of those, except it's funny. Mm. That's uh, yeah. that's my review of that. Okay. <laughs> Sum it all up, it's like a Next Generation Star Trek movie. <laughs> I, I mean, I just don't get it. If you're listening to this right now, please explain it to me. You know, I'm more than willing to say I'm wrong about stuff. So if, if you're listening to this right now, Tim's not doing a good job at it right Apparently now. Apparently not, yeah. <laughs> uh, please explain it to me because... I, I want to dig it, you know? Ah, Dane. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, just on to our future topic. <laughs> our next future topic, converting Dane into like in Guardians of the Galaxy next episode. <laughs> well, you're, if, if, if it's only you, Tim, yeah. it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well... Besides Guardians of the Galaxy being the best movie of 2014, <laughs> we're going to take a look back at the but, but in the Batman universe in 2014. And, yeah, and there was a lot going on this past year. And fitting, too, since it was Batman's 75th anniversary. I mean, a lot of great title, comic titles coming out. Unfortunately, no movie or DC movie in general, but we did get a new TV show, Gotham. And uh, we had the Warner Brothers had their cool... Uh, uh, exhibit that they had of the batman costumes and all that amazing stuff so it's a lot of cool things going on with batman in 2014 for celebrating 75th anniversary so besides all that like we usually do on past episodes where we look back on the year that was a batman we take a look at our favorite comics our favorite artists writers and then just pretty much our favorite anything of batman that happened throughout the year was it a moment or a certain experience that we've had well what we saw read or whatever just that went on with batman so I guess to kick it off, like we always do, we're going to start with our best comic writer of 2014. I'm going to go ahead and kick it off first. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, Dane, have I picked Scott Snyder the last two years that, since we've been doing this as my favorite writer? <laughs> I know he's in Probably. the one. Okay. <laughs> well, for 2014, it's going to be someone different. I'm going to go with Kyle Higgins. Not only for the stuff he did on Nightwing earlier in the year, but mainly for what it did on Batman Beyond 2.0. I mean, you heard about me gush over it so much in the past episodes this year, every time I reviewed his story arcs, and he just added a whole nother level to the Batman Beyond universe, and not just Batman Beyond, but Batman the Animated Series as well. This new layers to the whole overall story that went on, and this it just, it's so cool that so many years after both animated series have been off the air, there's still great new stories being told there, and yeah, like I said, he just added so much to it. Not just telling new stories, but just adding to the overall mythology that you look back on certain episodes or characters and you're just experiencing things in a new light. So Kyle Higgins knocked it out of the park with Batman Beyond 2.0. And to add it to, like Nightwing, unfortunately, he didn't get the ending that it deserved, but 
I thought he wrapped up his arc in a nice way. And so, yeah, he, he had a great 2014 in the world of Batman. And even, I think he hasn't wrote too many, but his issues of Batman Eternal have been good also. So, best comic writer 2014 for me is Kyle Higgins. And hopefully one day he can go back to that Batman Beyond world and tell us more great stories. But if his name was on anything Batman, whether it's uh, Batman himself or just as a supporting character, there's some to check out because he does a great job with them. So, he gets my pick for best writer of 2014. Yeah, he definitely deserves another Bat book. Hopefully yeah. something more, something a little bigger and not, you know, monthly digital only comic yeah. book. You know, so my favorite writer, actually Mike took all my choices. I'm, I'm looking at the, tw- the Twitter feed right now. Uh. <laughs> and he took all of my choices. So this is going to be a, a little uneventful. <laughs> My favorite writers, z, plural. <laughs> it's not like the writers with a z. <laughs> um, are Brandon Fletcher and Cameron Stewart, because and I guess my favorite artist, m- might as well say this right now, is Babstar, and my favorite single issue was Batgirl number thirty-five. Um, but as for the writers, Brandon Fletcher and Cameron Stewart. They totally relaunched that uh, Batgirl. They totally relaunched it. It made me care about Babs rather than, you know, another book that I had to trudge through because it was written poorly and was oftentimes, most of the time, absolutely forgettable because just, you know, the whole villain of the month thing, you know, Gail Simone trying to create new villains and, it got tiring after a while. So, Brandon Fletcher and Cameron Stewart totally relaunched that book and how it's written and Babs' whole attitude, really. It's not so dark anymore. It's a little lighthearted. It's more like the Steph Brown, Brian Q. Miller, Batgirl. So, yeah, for me, those two writers are my favorite writers of 2015. Yeah, so I know we were talking about when that creative team first got announced, how we're hoping it's going to add something new to the background just get it back on track than what we've been getting with Gail Simone's run so I haven't read any issues because like I said on a previous episode where I flipped through it I just couldn't really get past the tone and like the artwork of it it just felt a little too like teen and kid oriented so like just didn't really fit my interest if I was looking for a background title but um how are you pretty much read or up to date with most of the issues are you kind of just going back and reading just kind of get an idea of like was was I right, or is it still better than what I was thinking? I'm not that. I'm not caught up totally, uh-huh. but I try to keep up with it. <laughs> so apparently, he's your favorite writer, so they're doing a good job. With it. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I I know there was a little bit of controversy regarding the LGBT community, but I don't. Maybe it's because I'm not part of that community that I didn't really get offended i mean that that was like the only speed bump i mean for like the whole all the issues they've done it's pretty much been you know awesome (laughs) so does it have that like teen like uh story or teen like tv show feel to that i thought it had when i just looking through the comics or that there's is it more deeper than that uh it's it's kind of like it's not the main course it's the salt that you put on there. Okay. You know, it's not like the meat of the 
of issues and bad personality and all that stuff. It's more like a light seasoning. And if if you think of it like how you think of Guardians of the Galaxy, where it's like <laughs> there, there's jokes and stuff in there, and it's a little lighthearted, more a little more lighthearted than uh, I don't know, Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't think that's too far of a stretch to say. Because <laughs> it just feels like when I looked at yeah. it, like this doesn't seem part of the Batman comics world that we're used to so far. This seems totally different. That it's a different Yeah, it's not. It's not. And it, it's it's one of the book's strengths. Strengths, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's not, you know, it's not part of, and it's part of the Batman universe, but it's not totally part yeah. of the Batman universe. It's, I guess it's kind of like how Wonder Woman was. Yeah, Wonder Woman and Batwoman before they unfortunately gutted the soul out of that book. It's ending, though, finally. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, just put it out of his misery. Just take it out back and shoot it right in the head because, <laughs> I mean, it's on life support. <laughs> well, it's interesting to know. I didn't. I mean, I've heard good things about it, but not necessarily great, great things. Like, it's like the second coming of Batgirl, but... Good to know yeah. that you and Mike, it's good enough to be, have your favorite writers of the year. So, Yeah, and it's, it's not only that. It's, you know, they, it seems like they don't take themselves that seriously when Which they're writing it. Which is good at times, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, if, if you take yourself really seriously, you can get awfully pretentious. So Yeah. Well, I'm just happy with, with Batgirl now. I'm just so happy with it. <laughs> That's all that matters. It's a good book. It's a good book. All right, so you went through your best artist and best issue. <laughs> it's all such a real background, but I'm going to go with my favorite comic artist of 2014. And mine's actually going to be plural, artist. <laughs> I mean, Francis Manipal and Brian Bouchelotto, what they're doing in detective comics, man, it's just blowing me away. I mean, I say it every time I review one of their issues, but yeah, ever since Flash, they started the New 52, thought that was the perfect art style for that character. And when they got announced for Batman and Detective, I was curious. I think they'd do a good job, and but curious to see how their art style would work with Batman. And it's yeah, it's working great. I mean, just every issue is so beautiful to look at. You're flipping through the pages, like it takes you a while just to turn the page because after you read the dialogue, you're just staring at each panel after the great art. And just the way their panel layouts are uh, structured too is usually unique and different for each issue. So. Getting them on Detective Comics was probably one of the best moves of 2014 that DC made for their Batman comics because uh, earlier on in 2013, we had John Lehman still on the title, and he had a few good issues, but his majority of his run was not that good. <laughs> so when they came on, I think it was like March or April, it just like shot Detective Comics up there as far as one of the best Bat books again, which it should be. So, And their art is a big reason for that, so they definitely get my pick for favorite artists of 2014. And then single issue, this one, I'm actually going to go not too far back. <laughs> it's pretty recent, but it blew me away. Batman number 35 by Scott Snyder, the first part of Endgame. Uh, I do remember when I read my review, or when I gave my review for the issue, when I was reading it, I didn't wasn't aware of any spoilers for it or what the actual Endgame plot was going to be about, so I just went in it pretty much fresh and not knowing what to expect, and that's pretty much probably why the issue stood out for me, just... How I didn't see anything that was coming in that issue. The Justice League fighting Batman and seeing Batman <laughs> use his different uh, techniques and that cool suit that he had designed just to take on the Justice League and these different uh, abilities and techniques in that suit to take him out was really cool. But then 
the twist at the end where it gets revealed that Joker is in control of them. And I did not see that coming at all, and it blew me away. It just left a big impression on me. As far as that's why we talk about spoilers and all this stuff, and DC telling this thing months before it came out with like Robin Damien coming back, and how it just hurts the story a bit. Because when I read that issue, it is such a great feeling of seeing all this stuff play out and just being totally surprised and shocked with what I was seeing on the page. It just that's what reading comics is all about. And just to have that while it, I had that experience while reading Batman 35, which is so great. So that's what kind of set it up top for me as the best issue of 2014, just that whole, whole shock value and just what Scott Snyder did with the Joker and what he's continuing to do with him with this storyline has been great so far. So that gets my pick for best issue of the year. You said yours was Batgirl uh, 35, or is it the same as Mike was? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Cause, I mean, was Mike that the first Coleman. issue? Or... Yeah, it was the okay. first issue. Uh, Mike, you've taken all the surprise out of this show. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you, Mike? <laughs> and unfortunately, I don't have any more surprises. <laughs> <laughs> You're just full of surprises, aren't you? <laughs> or not. Okay, so we got our favorite comic stuff out of the way. Right, right. Artists, issues. Favorite overall Batman moment or maybe an experience you had this year with Batman? Oh, I go first? Yeah, I'm letting you go first. Okay, 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 okay. I will say, and I'm not just saying this because we talked about it earlier, or, uh, you know, we we tweet at them, but um, probably Legends of the Night was probably my, my highlight of this year. I didn't expect it to be that, that good. Um I just thought it was, you know, oh, it's another Kickstarter movie that I, I won't watch. Or it's another Batman thing, like Brave and the Bolt, that I won't, won't watch. But it really surprised me. It's a really, really well-made movie, and I can't praise it enough. And uh, I'll just end it there, because I don't want to repeat stuff I've already said. So you can probably, to an episode about that. <laughs> you yeah. in-depth discussion on it. Probably uh, Legends of the Night is probably my highlight of this year. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Like you said, I echo everything you said about it. And you're the pretty much reason I saw it as quickly as I did. <laughs> you tell me how good it was. So, yeah. Job well done on that movie. But just Definitely. Like, just, again, it all goes back to the 75 years of Batman's anniversary. All this cool stuff we got. That just was another, that movie was another thing that just added to what makes Batman so special and why he's around for 75 years. So, yeah. <laughs> good pick. Now, for me, I'm going to be a little selfish here and just uh, pick an experience that I had, which was being able to go to the Warner Brothers uh, Batman exhibit at Warner Brothers Studios where they had all the archive stuff of the costumes and props and all that, getting to cover it for the Batman universe, getting an early sneak peek at it was pretty darn awesome. <laughs> and yeah, it's kind of hard for that not to be my favorite Batman experience or moment of the year, just seeing all those awesome costumes that I've grown up watching on screen pretty much most of my life. And then with the Nolan movies, the uh, definitive version of Batman on film for right now anyway for me seeing those iconic costumes was just really cool and then to top it off seeing the Batmobiles the 1989 Batmobile standing right by it <laughs> the only thing missing was me getting inside and taking it out for a spin but <laughs> besides not doing that just seeing all this cool stuff was just amazing so it was cool that I got to do that for the site and just something I'll never forget as a Batman fan it was just really cool so I think the, it was safe to say that the exhibit was a success this year. So I know they extended it from their original plan as far as 
just for the summer. So hopefully it'll be around a long time and they can continue to add stuff to it. Because I remember them saying they want to add the Ben Affleck Batman suit there. So hopefully they can get that there and whatever new Batman movies we may get or stuff we see in Justice League, Batman vs. Superman can be added to that. So it was really cool. So I just hope any Batman fan who was in the LA area got a chance to experience it because it was something this is almost something you have to see if you live in that area as a Batman fan. It was just really cool. So, yeah, that's definitely going to be my top pick. It was either between that or the Batman vs. Superman Comic-Con footage. The only reason I didn't pick that was probably because I wasn't there. If I was in the room with all the other fans seeing that footage on the big screen, that probably would have been an amazing experience too. But <laughs> we only got to see a little bootleg video of it, so it didn't quite... <laughs> Make the cut as to highest on my year for the best Batman moment or experience. So if you're in that mo- in in that uh, Comic Con place, would you have cried? <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably try to deny it, but maybe I probably would have. <laughs> <laughs> the only bad thing about being in those rooms, is, like you're in, you're excited in the all the crowd cheering when they're seeing like Batman and Superman show up. There yeah. was no dialogue, but you'd be wondering, was there dialogue? I couldn't hear anything because of all the scream and all that stuff. <laughs> and plus, too, I mean, Sandy, especially the San Diego Comic-Con, um, a lot of people go to that. And people don't have... People don't clean themselves. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it, it must stink in there, too. Cause... Well, you got people sleeping overnight just waiting in line oh, to get in that room. So, yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> see, what would it take for you to wait online to see? Like, would it be like that? Would it have to be the whole movie for you to wait online to get like an early sneak peek for it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You would do it for that. If we could see that movie earlier, yeah, that would be it. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, I guess it's a little bummer for this year that we didn't get that clip released online, unfortunately. Why don't they do that? I know, because I wish they would, because Marvel does that a lot. They show things and then maybe not the exact day, but not too long after they put it online for everyone to see. So I was like, God, come on, Warner Brothers, you could do it too. <laughs> so same thing for any movie, right? I'm, I'm sure they did that with the, the Hobbit movies. Um, they, they showed like a piece of it, but it, they didn't put it online. Yeah, they show. I think they showed. They show extended stuff there, but then they put out like a trailer. Maybe that doesn't show everything, but they show some of the stuff. Just something new to get the fans who weren't there excited. Yeah, I mean, people are gonna bootleg it anyway. I know so that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, would you rather fans see a crappy quality version and just put it out there? <laughs> yeah. So that was our favorite stuff as far as comic wise, and then just batting experiences for the year. But now it's time for the fun part the worst parts of 2014 <laughs> or disappointments of 2014 and unfortunately no year is perfect with batman so we're gonna get some bad comics stories or tv episodes and whatnot so the pick for worst comic writer of 2014 and i'll have to say this one it's been pretty consistent with some good batman writers on the monthly books but john layman was on detective for like the first three months of 2014 <laughs> And do you remember that Gothtopia storyline? Yep, I do. <laughs> That's what's putting him on my list as worst writer for 2014. <laughs> even though it was brief, that Gothtopia, I didn't even finish it. I read like the first two parts of something like, oh man, uh, this isn't for me. <laughs> like, And during that time, we knew uh, Francis Manipal and Brian Bouchelotta were taking over. So when I got this, I was like, uh, just hurry up and end this arc so <laughs> we can get to the new uh, creative team and everyone on it. So. 
yeah, unfortunately, sorry, John Wayman, but you're on my list for the worst writer of 2014. <laughs> you know what? You've changed my mind, Tim. That's <laughs> <I laughs> totally you. different about um, about this subject, but I'm gonna have to agree with you. Gothtopia was terrible. John Layman was terrible. <laughs> I mean, he had like one or two good issues, but I'd say about 98% of his stuff was bad. So, yeah, worse, worse comic issue. Any of those Gothtopia ones, um, and worst writer John Layman. Yeah, like I even forgot about the Gothtopia storyline, but when I was uh, looking back on this for like our year in review and wondering like what was like the best and worst of the year and i look back at what issues of detective came out and i was like oh yeah the gotopia <laughs> i forgot about that storyline came out like at the beginning like I told you how good it was <laughs> about forgettable yeah and it was I, supposed to be a big thing right i mean yeah DC like they was had promoting it yeah it had crossovers to other books but it was kind of like the lesser batman books i don't yeah, like think birds of prey yeah <laughs> stuff like that suicide squad i don't know if they were involved but i think batgirl was another one that got yeah. to it so oh, man. that's our pick for worst writer of 2014 now worst <laughs> artist of 2014 this one i kind of had to do like i've looked back on it too because there wasn't, as far as the main Batman books, nothing that really stood out to me. It was like, uh, this artist really isn't that good. Because all the main books have great artists on them. But Batman Eternal is a weekly issue, or it's a weekly title. So we know there's going to be some issues in their year run of books that come out. They're not all the art is going to be on par with the rest. And unfortunately, issue number 26 is uh, <laughs> probably one of the worst drawn in that series and maybe just in bat books in general for me anyway and it's a pair of artists named juan e ferreira and rm guerrera and yeah when i uh, looked back on this issue i was like oh man that's right this was pretty bad the way his faces uh the way he drew faces on the main characters like bruce tim and jason and barbara their faces just look fat and unnatural <laughs> barbara just looks really bad in certain shots i remember almost like where she looks like a guy in a batgirl costume <laughs> oh man and then just, i remember that issue had a flashback sequence with uh bruce and uh, tommy elliott uh, where Tommy Elliott tells him that his parents died, he's so happy, and just that weird face that he has of this smiling, just like <laughs> really freaky, not in a good way either. It's like, yeah, there's something unnatural looking about this kid, but <laughs> yeah, just the way they, those, that pair of artists drew the characters and their faces was not good at all, in my opinion. So, sorry guys, <laughs> but you two are making my top choice for worst artist of uh, <laughs> Batman for 2014. It was not a good issue to look at. <laughs> Um, for me, I don't really have a standout um, artist that was bad. Um, it's kind of like you said, DC really does well with the art. Um, so I'm just going to say anybody that drew Catwoman before the new team got on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. We always picked on Anna Sandy as the worst writer, but... The artwork I didn't even pay attention to, really, because the <laughs> writing was just so bad. I wonder if the artwork reflected that. It's too bad we can't pick on her in 2015. <laughs> yeah. Unless we want to start covering uh, Clarion the Witch Boy comics, <laughs> which she's working on. 
Is that a DC book? Yeah, I think it got, it's one of the casualties uh, coming out of 2015 oh. as far as books that are canceled. She's still on, um, what was she on? I think she was on Joker's Daughter, wasn't she? Katana. She was on Katana. Was yeah. And apparently that wasn't too good either. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, she has to get hired for a reason, but that really hasn't why, read though? anything I good mean, from her. I mean, <laughs> why? I know. I mean, she 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 hasn't written, as far as I know, she hasn't written anything good. Yeah, maybe there's some story out there that we're missing that's really good that she wrote. She doesn't really have that following that that Gail Simone does. She doesn't have those yeah. faithful followers that, you know, even though the book isn't really that good, they'll still like support exactly yeah the, the, the writer um so 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 why does she still get dc jobs i know i mean someone over there has to like her story pitches apparently but but then yeah. <laughs> they just see that gets removed from the book like a Catwoman, or her titles get canceled like that clarion book so <laughs> maybe she'll move on to marvel or something pretty soon <laughs> oh man well marvel is owned by disney and i'm sure disney would be like no no, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they could put her on the Princess Leia comic that's going to come oh. out this year. <laughs> so, so I guess Princess Leia is going to be the most hated character. <laughs> <laughs> anything like her Catwoman. Oh, man. <laughs> well, I was wrong. I guess we did get to rag on Anna Senti a little bit <laughs> this episode <laughs> this year. But now we move on to worst single issue of 2014. And this one was pretty much a no-brainer for me. The final issue of Nightwing, Nightwing number 30. Uh, talk about the worst possible way <laughs> to end a great book at the beginning of the New 52. It was such an awful, awful story <laughs> an issue. Uh, where, first of all, we knew that Dick Grayson was not going to be Nightwing anymore. He's going to be joining Spiral as Agent Grayson. And I wasn't too happy at that anyway. But the way he left with Bruce and that terrible terrible fight sequence they had throughout that whole issue was like oh how can this issue go out this way like no there's got to be one more issue after this just to make up for that one it was just so bad that fight sequence was just awful the stuff they were doing and just how it would be impossible for any of them to survive it and not walk away being crippled and their dialogue was awful trying to reference lines from batman begins like why did we fall and just twist it to some even so stupid that's like uh why are you going there and then this reasons dick gave for agreeing to do what bruce said it was just beyond bad i don't remember if i gave it a one or a zero but i know it wasn't higher than a one when we reviewed it but that was hands down the worst issue of 2014 batman related that was before when i was thinking of this it was like i was uh the way legends or batman the dark knight ended with that man bat story it was like not the that was another uh, title that didn't get the proper ending it deserved with Greg Hurwitz. I mean, it was kind of like he was forced to hurry up and end his run. So I didn't really blame him there, but this Nightwing issue was just 10 times worse than that. It was just so awful because the pretty much from the start of the New 52, that book had been pretty consistent. And Dick Grayson's such an iconic character in the Batman universe and in DC in general, I think. And for his title to go out this way was just... Uh, darn shame it was just awful yeah it did not deserve to go up that way <laughs> you know the night nightwing thing reminds me of it reminds me of like instead of getting shot in the head and just putting it out of its misery mm. you shoot it in the stomach and let it bleed to death yeah i thought it was like 
Yeah. Yeah. Kyle Higgins had his story wrapped up, but they had Forever Evil going on, and Nightwing played a part in that. So his hands were tied too with what they were doing there. And it's like, um, like I said, it was. I think it's something where they couldn't come to agreement as far as uh, how they wanted the story to go. So that's probably why he didn't do the last issue. And it definitely showed because, yeah, <laughs> it needed to die. The, or if the, what had to go, it had to go out the way Kyle Higgins planned and not the way DC wanted it. It was just <laughs> a mess all the way around. <laughs> if I did get that issue a one, I, I'm going to change my score to a zero now because just thinking yeah. about it again, it was like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tim, you actually took my uh, overall favorite moment. I mean, uh, least favorite moment. I was going to say, yeah, don't yeah. tell me that was your favorite moment. No, no, no. <laughs> then the podcast would really end. Yeah. <laughs> it would never talk to me again. <laughs> um, my least favorite moment is turning Dick Grayson into a secret agent. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the book is good or decent. Yeah, I heard it's um, good or okay. Yeah, like you said. But that's not my problem. My problem is... For me, anyway, I can't speak for anybody else, but for me, it's a bad idea. It's mm-hmm. just not a good idea to make him a secret agent. I don't know how to, how else to explain it except to say it that way. Um, it's just not a good idea. I mean, Dick Grayson is one of the oldest characters in, in the Batman universe, and to completely change him change him around like that, you know. He's not Robin. He's not Nightwing. He's not Batman. He's a secret agent. It just doesn't make any sense. It just it just reinforces the fact that maybe DC isn't so in touch with their fan base. I mean, and maybe I'm part of the minority there, but making him a secret agent isn't the way to reinvent him. Mm-hmm. It really isn't. You know, make him something else. Make him another hero. If 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 that's if you really wanted to reinvent the character and it's not like the character was dying off Kyle Higgins was doing a fine job of him mm-hmm. sure there were a couple of bad issues but overall he was the one character that maybe you shouldn't reboot like that and he was the one character that shouldn't have so to me the the worst overall decision besides the selfies cover yeah <laughs> Was the uh, was the Dick Grayson um, secret agent sort of thing because it just doesn't make any sense. It made me lose interest in the character, and I loved him as Batman. I loved him as um, as Nightwing. I can't really say I liked him as Robin because, like uh, Jason Todd, I haven't really read him in any books as Robin, but. Uh, yeah. To to make him a secret agent was a really really bad move, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with you pretty much 100% there. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we talked about it, how we were disappointed with the move and how I said I'd probably give the book a chance and see if it's at least a good story. But just like you said, just the whole idea behind it just doesn't sit well. Even when I read the first issue, it wasn't a bad issue really, but I just can't get past the idea of Bruce is making Dick do this and the reason why he's doing that. It just didn't work for me and I just couldn't continue on reading it really. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of like if let's say Metallica decided to put out a record a, a polka record. <laughs> polka music. It's kind of like that. It doesn't make any sense at all. 
Well, Vitalik put out a poker record, it's something I at least have to check out. Like, I did yeah. Grayson. <laughs> it's just one of those... You see, that, that would be better than making Dick Grayson a secret agent, because at least you would be interested. You'd be like, I wonder what that would sound like. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but making Dick Grayson a secret agent, it's, it's just an awful idea, and it turns me off completely from the character. Uh, Kyle Higgins had a really good thing going there, and... Yeah, they... DC totally dropped the hat on that one. I'm yeah. sorry to say, because I love the Batman universe. And it even, like you uh, mentioned, too, where even though it affected Nightwing, Dick Grayson, of course, <laughs> since he's the character featured in there, but it just put a damper in all the other Batman titles a little bit, too. And I mentioned in some other reviews where uh, Bruce mentions Dick or Dick pops in for like to give a report to Bruce on what's going on. And it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Dick's off doing his secret agent thing. And this whole idea that Batman's again lying to everybody after the whole thing with joker and death of the family how he wasn't but yet he still is and in my opinion i don't think it's a very good reason to do it because he's like if i remember right it's because it would compromise dick in his mission or whatever maybe i'm forgetting something as far as the reason why bruce can't let anyone know he's alive i just don't like the fact again that no one knows he's alive and that uh, pretty soon it's going to find out they're going to find out bruce lied again and it's going to cause another rift with the bad family so I'm not looking forward to that eventual storyline coming out when, whenever that is, but you know it's coming. So just, just the ripple down effect, that whole move of turning Dick into a secret agent that it's going to have on the Batman family. I'm just not looking forward to it at all. Yeah, and it's it's kind of like a lost asset, really. Because these writers could have brought Dick Grayson in at any time. You know, mm-hmm. let's say Scott Snyder decided to do it in his most recent Batman issue to help Bruce do something. You know, I, I mean, I know it makes sense, you know, after the Joker storyline, but I don't know. I, yeah, it's all making him see making him a secret agent wasn't the answer. <laughs> no, yeah, it definitely wasn't. Like I said, there was rumors about him being killed off, and I think it would have served the story better. He actually did die instead of doing making him a secret agent so yeah that's a good choice for our biggest disappointment of 2014 <laughs> but mine is different mine's going to be more on the movie front actually and my biggest disappointment is going to be the son of, Legends of the night <laughs> no <laughs> way no way <laughs> no way no way yeah yeah son of batman the animated movie that came out this year i was really looking forward to this one i mean it's the first appearance of damien in an animated movie or in Almost well. No, he was in that Brave and the Bold episode, so I can't say animated form. But as far as the movie goes, this is his first appearance, and they were adapting the uh, Grant Morrison story arc where Damien's first introduced. So I had high hope for us, and it just didn't deliver for me. The story, it was it was okay, but the whole thing with Deathstroke, it didn't really work. I didn't like his portrayal with Deathstroke, and just him, the whole idea of him be trying to take control of the League of Assassins. So there's certain things from the comic that they adapted, but in the end, it just didn't deliver for me. Damien was great. I thought the characterization of him was good. The voice actor who played him was good. Even his dynamic with Batman was good, but it felt rushed, a little bit too rushed, too. He became Robin a little bit too quickly, and Bruce was pretty okay with the idea of becoming Robin too quickly. So, yeah, just as a whole, there were certain good things about it, but just as a whole, I just couldn't help but feel disappointed with it. And it's probably the most disappointed I've been with one of these animated batman movies because all of them have been pretty great so far and while it's not necessarily bad it was just not as good as i was hoping it was to be and probably my least favorite out of all the batman dc animated movies so 
that one is going to probably take my top spot for my biggest disappointments of the year. But honorable mentions was the whole futures and five years later issues that we got in September. I didn't read all of them, but the ones I did, the, the, I was not happy with, especially some of the Batman ones, with how Bruce like clones himself five years later, or he just goes to Lex's lab to get his clone or something that way, and then the new Robins that Bruce is going to have in just a short gap of five years. It just storylines work. If this is, this is where this continuity is going the next five years, you can count me out because I am not looking forward to this. I mean, to mention Hal Jordan's story where he gets absorbed into the source wall five years from now. It's like, uh, so once I read, I think I read three or four. I was like, okay, I do not need to get any more of these issues because I was disappointed in each and every one. <laughs> and then another one thing I was disappointed too, but not that big of a deal because we'll get it eventually, but just that the Arkham Knight delay <laughs> from this year to early 2015 and now it's the summer 2015 it had two delays which was disappointing to hear but in the end it's going to be worth it and uh, once we get the game completed out later this summer but it was disappointing nonetheless to hear that the game has been delayed so those are my three biggest disappointments but yeah my biggest would be son of batman and i'd have to agree with you dane on the whole great dick grayson becoming a secret agent that was pretty bad yeah, the only reason why I didn't watch Son of Batman was because of you. <laughs> when you told me that it wasn't too good. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much like anything. <laughs> the animated movies. So for me to be disappointed with it, yeah. <laughs> That's saying something. <laughs> but I know there are people who like it. It's just one of those things where I feel like I'm kind of in the minority with this one, but it just for some, whatever reason didn't grab me like all the other ones did. I kind of hope. I, well, it is part of the continuity they're building in this animated universe. So if they do do another Batman movie, which we know we're getting with Batman uh, versus Robin later this year, I just hope they build on it with uh, Batman and Damian because they did work well together in their portrayal. Just everything was a little done too quickly in that story. So if we see him again in these future movies, hopefully more than just uh, Batman versus Robin, it will just build on what the, the good characterizations that they had in this movie. So and hopefully better storylines. I'm getting high hopes for this Batman versus Robin one because the Court of Owls is supposed to play a role in it, and I'm really anxious to see how they're going to be portrayed. But maybe I should keep my expectations in check like I had with Son of Batman and just wait till I hear more about it so I won't be as disappointed with that one. Yeah, because the the real movie that you're looking forward to is uh, Gothopia, the <laughs> animated movie. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> wow, if that ever gets greenlit <laughs> for this animation, <laughs> they must be out of idea. <laughs> out of all the other great Batman stories they could adapt, let's go with Gotopia. Gotopia. Just a name. <laughs> 2014 best storyline. <laughs> Gotopia the sequel. Get that in 2015. All right, so that was pretty much our recap of what we liked and didn't like for. 2014 uh, anything else you wanted to mention dane i guess the only other thing i would say since i mentioned it briefly but we did get a new batman tv show this year which was pretty awesome in gotham and overall i think i've been happy with it there's been some episodes that weren't quite as good but it's definitely had a strong point so i think my favorite episode would be penguin's umbrella where penguin after he shows that he's still alive and then the police force or uh, kind of all given the cold shoulder to gordon and then zad has come and they have that shootout in the police station and gordon and bullock try to take out falcone that whole episode was great so the in the season end or the mid-season finale ended in a pretty cool way too with alfred and or bruce and selena on the run and we get to see alfred kind of kicking butt against the the assassins that broke into wayne matters so it ended on a good note and 
I thought overall it's off to a pretty strong start, and I'm looking forward to see where it ends this season. But having a new Batman TV show was a pretty big thing <laughs> as far as uh, the year that was for Batman in 2014. So I don't know if you have anything else to mention, but just having uh, Gotham be a part of Batman's 75th anniversary, I think, was another cool part of way to celebrate Batman's 75 years. Yeah, I totally forgot about Gotham. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's so many good things this year with Batman. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, not really. I think I think we nailed everything. Cool. Well, I'm thinking 2015. We'll see if it's as good as 2014 because it just, there's nothing better than having a new Batman movie. So <laughs> when that's when it's not happening in this upcoming year, you kind of kind of look for the other stuff to be up to like the excitement level for that. So, but I'm sure 2015 will deliver more great comics, and we got Arkham Knight coming out, which looks phenomenal so i'm sure that'll keep us busy throughout the summer in 2015 so there's gonna be a lot to look forward to with batman this year as we get to 2016 for batman v superman which is early 2016 so that should be not too long of a wait once we hit that year and we do our 2015 year review episode but not before what tip oh the force awakens <laughs> <laughs> see how cool of a three-month gap is that gonna be we got december star wars and then three months later we got Batman v Superman. Though. Are you kidding me? It's going to be awful. Awful. Because, <laughs> yeah, because Force Awakens is going to come out. Everybody's going to be really excited. Everybody's going to see it. And Tim, you and I are going to be on high like no other. But then we're going to drop down, and it's going to be a long three months. But see, we'll be seeing the Force Awakens during those three months over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> Analyzing it. Picking it apart of what stuff we might have missed the other ten times we saw it. So what if The Force Awakens is so bad that it's, <laughs> it's kind of like those movies that only stay in the movie theater for like two weeks and then <laughs> they're gone? There is zero percent chance of that. <laughs> zero. <laughs> Did you see that um, the new uh, Sin City movie? Oh uh, no! I don't think anyone did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I was, was going to say. Is like uh, that movie was out of theater so fast. You think the Force Awake is going to be the next Sin City too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the Gotopia the movie has a better chance of getting made than wow. <laughs> Force Awakens bombing like that. Wow. So, so what if, what if it's uh, the Force Awakens musical? It's not the Force Awakens as you think it is. There will still be cool things about it that I'll see again. <laughs> there could still be a cool lightsaber battle, space battle. So, so what if The Force Awakens is really Jar Jar the musical, <laughs> and J.J. Abrams is just trying to like, like throw us off big time? I'd still be there opening night at midnight to see it. <laughs> <laughs> Got the word Star Wars there. I'm gonna see it. So, so what if it's, uh, it's. <laughs> It's a Star Wars movie, but it's about the type of soil that's used on, uh, I don't know, let's say Coruscant. <laughs> oh, man. You're just keeping up, trying to think of reasons to think that it's not going to be successful. It's not going to happen. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not going to be successful. I'm saying, what if it isn't what you think? Oh, uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> I think just based by the trailer it's going to be what I'm thinking it's going to be, which is awesome. So so what if it's a movie about the the uh, the trade on moisture? In, uh... <laughs> it's going to be about moisture farmers in Tatooine, isn't it? Yeah, and, you know, they're going to be protesting and, 
you know, because the the prices are too low. They're, they're not getting, you know, enough money for their for their farming. <laughs> That's going to be one of the standalone movies. <laughs> yeah. And I'll still pay to see it. Oh, it might be boring, but there's going to be something in there, something Star Wars related that I won't be able to get anywhere else, and it's going to Man, be important. They got you, it. Tim. Oh, they, they got, got you. <laughs> there's nothing they can do or put on screen that will not make me see it. <laughs> and um, who's who's directing episode eight? Ryan Johnson. And nine. Um, it's, it's reported that he's directing nine, but I don't. Well, technically, he's not confirmed by Lucas over episode eight, but he keeps talking about it, so it's pretty much confirmed. But he hasn't said too much about episode nine, so oh. that might still be up in the air. And, and who was, uh, or, or what movie was David Ayer's connected to? David Ayer? Yeah. I haven't heard that one. <laughs> oh, you haven't? Uh. Hey, he's connected with one. One of those movies. Sure it's not the DC one? <laughs> You know what? Oh, oh yeah, Suicide Squad. Yeah, that's okay, that's right, yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I, I was looking on Netflix, and um, he directed a movie called Sabotage with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> hey, you can get <laughs> Apparently it was surprise. really bad. <laughs> Apparently it was really bad, so. Uh, that's why they hired him. Might want to beware of on that one. <laughs> but I heard his last movie was really good, though. The one with Brad Pitt in that war movie. Oh, the tank one. Fury. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I didn't see it. Neither did I, but I just hear it's good. <laughs> <laughs> but before we move on from our best of 2014, uh, you alluded to it earlier, Dane. We did get feedback from Mike on Twitter. He's saying it's pretty much the same as yours, but I think he did add a few different ones in here that he wanted to share off. He said that his favorite writer was Kyle Higgins, but mainly for Nightwing, not for uh, my Batman Beyond 2.0 pick. But like like we said, he deserves another Batman title, is what Mike says. Then he says for his favorite artist, it had to be Michael Jannon, and he said he first saw him in Justice League Dark and has continued his beautiful art in Grayson. So apparently, Dane, since we can't get past the idea of Dick being a secret agent, at least is having good artwork in the title. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like you, he said the best single issue was Batgirl. He said it was a refreshing change from what we had previously been released. Then he said it's for his favorite moment. He said Ben Affleck being announced as Batman. The hope of getting a common accurate accurate depiction became that much more real. But I think technically, Mike, I think uh, Ben Affleck was announced in 2013. So <laughs> but even though it could still be that big of a thing, that it could still be your big moment for 2014. But that was his picks for his favorites of 2014. And then we got Rob on Facebook. He's saying that, you know, I was going to say this, but the tops goes for me for this uh, best year comic was T- Tomasi and Gleason's Batman and Robin. The main storyline has been going on since issue 18 and brought Damien back through Robin Rises. Snyder's zero year was great, but for me, Robin Rises' story was just beautifully written. The first footage of Batman Arkham Knight, wow, simply amazing. This will be the game of 2015. We just saw the tip of the iceberg of what this game will be like. Seeing Affleck in the bad suit was huge this year. Batman and Superman in the same movie? Something we never thought we'd see and still won't for another year. But 2015 will be the year of the first trailer. Probably the best thing, Batman 75. 75 years of the Cape Crusader. That is something special. We all have our doorway into this world, be it comics, cartoons, movies, or TV. Batman has stood the test of time and has been elevated to such iconic pulp standard. I can easily see him going for another 75 year. 75. What a great year. Ditto to what you just said there, Rob. <laughs> Pretty much 
will echo everything that you said. The 75th year anniversary, Arkham Knight coming out this year, the first teaser of uh, Batman vs. Superman, yeah, 2014 had a lot. And like we just, like how I ended it before, 2015, it's probably going to be just as good as we wait for, but I have a feeling 2016 might be the start of something big for Batman with Batman v Superman. If it all goes good, the movie's great. It builds upon the DC Cinematic Universe. We can be seeing Batman in ways we haven't seen before in live action. So it's building to that and hopefully it'll all deliver in the end. So, Dan, you can start with your list of what if Batman v Superman does this or does this, is that <laughs> where it won't be successful or good? <laughs> so, so what if uh, Batman v Superman is a ballet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I got me coffee to choke you on that one. <laughs> I was just wondering because... That would be a really big surprise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we see him doing ballet moves with the Bat 2C from the 66 show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Instead of the big epic fight, him and uh, Superman are going to have a ballet uh, <laughs> performance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to ballet fight. <laughs> you know, like Batman's going to be on one side and Superman's going to be on the other. And then they're going to be. Uh, they're going to be fighting each other, but not fighting as in, you know, like we've seen it, but ballet fighting. Like, like Superman's going to do a cool ballet move, and then Batman's going to follow that up with one even better, and they're going to try to keep on upping each other. <laughs> oh, man. You'd be <laughs> laughing at the whole time, but yet it'd be something you'd have to see. <laughs> yeah, it'd just be one of those things, you know. I wonder what Batman and Superman would look like ballet fighting. They're in their costumes, but yet they have tutus that they're wearing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. We haven't, we haven't seen... I mean, sure, we've seen the bat suit and we've seen the armored bat suit, but we haven't seen... We haven't seen it... I don't know. I don't have anything. To, <laughs> I was just, just a stupid idea. I was just talking about, too, how... Batman v Superman could take Batman into places we've never seen him before in live action. How exciting that is. You just took that into a whole other direction as far as Batman we've never seen before doing ballet and being in tutus and ballet <laughs> dance-off fight scenes with Superman. <laughs> that would be something that we've never seen before, but not necessarily something we need to see. <laughs> Actually, you don't forget Batman v Superman. I want to see the, the, the Batman v Superman ballet <laughs> because it's something that nobody would go see. The, I don't know. People would be curious. Oh, yeah. And I guess if you're really into ballet or something, then <laughs> yeah, and you'll go see it. But I don't know. That, that movie would make no money. <laughs> it, it would be like uh, it would be like getting Eddie Murphy to star in your next movie. It would just tank. It completely tank. No matter what it's about or what it is, it'll just tank. Well, it would make at least ten dollars because I would at least still check it out. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, you officially ruined Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Yeah. Now when I see it, I'm just gonna be thinking of them doing ballet moves. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Dave. You're welcome. So besides ballet, 
and Batman v Superman and all that was 2014. We can get on to our news and discussion topics for 2015. Unfortunately, <laughs> there are none, so you're going to have to wait for our next one. Um, but we do have an email from Mike, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> He's becoming into the unfortunate category like Corbin. Yeah, like Corbin. <laughs> uh, but Mike says, hi, Masters of the Batfan universe. Another highly enjoyable episode, but I must say that Dane's suspicion... Suspicions of my past have me thinking that maybe he is trying to throw suspicion away from from himself, especially taking the time to say he lives near a hospital, so that's why you hear sirens. I don't know, <laughs> but it could be the cops looking for their local criminal mastermind. I'm just saying. Well, that's a good point, Mike, Dane. Is there something <laughs> you want to reveal to me now? <laughs> yes, it's because I helped Mike escape from America. <laughs> to australia and i need to hide out because you know he, he's looking at life in prison over here for his drug smuggling activities um but i have to say isn't this a great way to get attention off of him and onto me by throwing me under the bus <laughs> <laughs> you two are gonna convict each other or you're both going to get caught. <laughs> I know. I mean, I don't know if you ever heard of that prison experiment about the two people going into the prison and then both, both of them saying, if you rat out the other person, uh, you'll, you'll walk free. Uh, <laughs> that sounds like what you and Mike are going to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of like one of those things. Like If you, if you rat the other person out, uh, you get to go free, but if the other person rats you out, you're going to get the, all the time. But if you both stay silent, you're going to get five years because they don't have enough evidence to convict you. Convict you. <laughs> so it's kind of like one of those things, where like that prisoner room thing. But I'm just saying, Mike, if they come knocking on my door, I'm throwing you right under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'll be sure to visit one of you in prison, whichever one gets convicted first. <laughs> oh, Mike's going to prison. Okay. Let's make that completely, completely, uh, you know, Solid right there. Because Mike's going to prison. He's going to be doing that time because if I I can't go to prison because I got other things to do. <laughs> oh, that's a real good reason. So. <laughs> Please, the judge, the jury will totally understand that. <laughs> now, you see, I don't know Mike that well. I don't know if he has a wife or if he has kids. Um, but if he does, just... Throw, throw, throw him straight under the bus because I don't want to go to prison. We got the perfect reason. You got to do this podcast. Oh, you? yeah. I mean, it's not the, the, the Timmy time and the Bat Fan Revolution without me. <laughs> <laughs> Especially after creating that name. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's the greatest podcast name in the history of podcast names. At least for 2015. Who knows what we'll come up with in 2016. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't. I mean, you you take Timmy Time and the Revolution, and the Batman Revolution, and compare it to I don't know, Smodcast or Nerdist. There's no comparison. No, there's not. Timmy Time <laughs> and the Batman Revolution is the best name ever created for a podcast. So, with that said, let's get on with Mike's email. <laughs> Also, to clarify some things, Boxing Day is what we call the day after Christmas Day here in Australia. Not sure why, and it must just be a thing here, 
I also like to get the CD version of albums from bands I really like, but have gotten digital versions if I'm not that into a band, but like some songs. I hear you on that one. I do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> you nerds. Yep. <laughs> so it's pretty safe to say me and Mike have every single 311 CD ever put out. <laughs> so, so what about like their... It's because like some bands put out albums exclusively for other countries like Japan or... Mm. Uh, the European countries. Yeah. So, do you have those too? Yeah, so, sometimes they try to, we can import them. <laughs> Must cost a lot of money, though. It does cost a lot, actually. I've gotten some uh, Weezer stuff that's like only released overseas, so <laughs> it has yeah, been wh- done before. What is up with uh, Weezer in Japan? They they yeah, have a lot he, of he like Japanese. There, yeah. <laughs> They're yeah. big over there. Yeah, I wrote songs about it. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Grand Theft Auto V is available over here and is rated R. And I think it was one of the main reasons the R rating was brought in. Mostly things get R ratings for drugs and sexual things. Violence seems okay as it mostly only gets the MA rating. So, so, so you could like shoot somebody. Oh, oh, drugs and sexual things. Oh, never mind. No, I was going to say, like, so you could kill somebody in a video game, but if it has, like, swearing or drugs in it, it's only an MA rating? No, that gets an R rating, but the violence is okay with an MA rating. I know it's the way the rating system there seems a little strange. (laughs) Sometimes over here, because that whole thing where it could be really violent and maybe be pushing a PG-13, but if you have someone smoke, It'd be pushed to an R. Yeah, this, yeah. <laughs> the whole rating thing is weird. It's sometimes stupid. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was I was wondering why did Revenge of the Sith get a PG thirteen rating? It was mainly for the scene where Anakin gets burned up, the immolation scene, and then the oh. beheadings too. So oh, yeah. I think mainly for Anakin getting burned. Okay, I definitely see why I got a PG-13. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also on the B-Runner, the Batman TV rating and time slot, I think because they had characters like Professor Pig and Frog and Anarchy as terrorist types, and this is why this was why they probably got the M rating. The time slot was probably because they had a long run of doing superhero movies on Friday night. And they were putting an animated movie like Under the Red Hood after them. Yeah, but Under the Red Hood doesn't deserve an M. Well, it's not that it's bad. A lot violent, more violent than uh, Beware the Batman, that's for sure. <laughs> if anything, that would deserve it more. Yeah, but M... I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't we... deserve it, I think it's safe to say. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, M would mean... I mean, the impression I get from M would be mature yeah. and, you know, would have, like, like what, we, what we would call R-rated movies, right? Mm. Yeah, that's right. Under like, the Red Hood is more like a PG-13, like a light PG-13. Mm. Yeah. But I don't know. This, this has gone on for too long. <laughs> <laughs> also, due to the, to the uh, inconsistent inconsistencies of releases when it when it came out and the limited episode count they probably only released it for the fans 
The Batman 66 Blu-ray box set was 170 here, which is way cheaper than in the U.S. Yeah, because I think the U.S. one was like $200. Yeah, you had to get it the week it came out to get it cheaper than that. But yeah, yeah now that it's been out, it's a little more expensive. I'll have to find out what the issue was with the disc and keep keep an eye out for it. But it was delayed for over a month after the U.S. release, so maybe the problem was fixed. Yeah, but I think they found it not too long ago so maybe they didn't catch it in time when they came out in australia so it still might be there uh, great discussion on the batman villains in the dc tv universe well i think they have done a great job with some of them like deathstroke and deadshot these characters are more dc universe related others like firefly huntress and Raish. I pronounce it Raish, like the animated series, which is how it should be, not like the Nolan trilogy. Yes, <laughs> totally agree. <laughs> are done fairly well, but will now be stuck with these stories and might not be able to to use them in future shows. Huntress started good, but the way they made her more a villain has stopped any chance for her to be the character from the comics, who eventually became a hero. Became a hero after the violent start, which made for a good dynamic between her and Batman, but. I suppose that is what Jason Red Hood is now being the violent bad family character. Oh, 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 Jason Todd Red Hood is now being the There's not too many other Jasons who would be Red Hood. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was Jason Statham. <laughs> the <Red Hood. laughs> uh, I don't know a lot about the Green Arrow DC history, so I can't say what the villain community is, but I'm sure they could tap more of his villains than rather than raiding Batman's because that just screams laser writing to me. Also, any viewer of Arrow who wants to get into the books may be disappointed when they find out none of these villains will be in the book. With these Teen Titan show, with this Teen Titan show coming out, who will be their main villain? Since Arrow stole both Deathstroke and Brother Blood. Who was lame, in my opinion. That's a good point, actually, yeah. <laughs> about Deathstroke. Because, yeah, he's synonymous yeah. with Teen Titans. Who were both major Titans adversaries. Who were both major Titans adversaries. And if they keep parading Batman's rogues, it would limit a Batman show if it was ever done. I can't figure out why they can't do a Batman show. They have stated that it will not tie into the movie, so why not do it? It, it wouldn't cost any more than Arrow, and on a different night... It would guarantee viewers. We will only see Batman every two to three years if we are lucky. So why why not do it while the superhero hype is still going? If they are hesitant to use Batman, then make it a Batman family show. And have Robin, Batgirl, Nightwing, and Batwoman team up. Because I doubt we would get to see these characters on the big screen. And use lesser known villains like what they did with Clock King. Because they made him badass on Arrow and Flash. Think NCIS with... That that family characters, it would be awesome. Yeah, we said it right there. It would be awesome, but it ain't gonna happen. <laughs> Not with the current uh, people in charge at Warner Brothers. Yes. <laughs> I like I like the Batman, the first Batman Earth one. I guess. Oh yeah, he has a one there. He just didn't spell it out. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, you're confusing Dane. <laughs> yeah, man. Book and I'm looking forward to the sequel. And to be honest, I think this would have been a better idea than doing the new 52 universe if they just started a Ultimates-type alternate universe and made it a monthly thing instead of a 
uh, whenever Jeff Johns gets time picked. <laughs> I have a question for you guys. Do you think that the guy, the, the way Jeff Johns is sort of pulling the strings of the whole DC universe with Dan DeDio and Jim Lee's two cents is a good thing? This whole five-year timeline spun out of his Justice League... What? Oh, this whole five-year timeline spun out of his Justice League and it, it screwed the entire universe and all the universe changes seem to be coming from this book's, for example, Grayson. Yeah, <laughs> you said it all right there, Mike. I agree with the whole five-year thing with the stupid, but I actually think it's more, sure, all three of them had input of what they want, but I think it's a little more Dan DiDio doing his putting his ideas out there because which i don't think he has too many good ideas to be honest with you as far as storyline goes i have a feeling it was pretty much him championing the idea for uh dick Grayson not to be nightwing and the whole whole secret agent thing so because jeff john's ideas are usually pretty good at least in my opinion and he's earned the reputation of good storylines to even if they don't work to at least try some of them out so I'm leaving him off it, but Dan DiDio, not so much. His ideas just seem to come from like an executive mind type thing and not really from a story front. Like, let's just do one shocking thing to get people interested in our books and then we'll worry about it later. So, yeah, I totally agree with you about this whole thing with certain things they did with the New 52. This would have been better, like you said, have the Earth 1 books be just a separate continuity like Marvel's Ultimate. I sent that. I've been saying that for quite a while now, and I still think it'd be something that would work in the end. So, yeah. I think they just need some better decision-making at the top of DC's higher-ups in regards to Dan DiDio. And Jim Lee, I don't think he's... I'm sure, like I said, they're high up, so he has input in there. But I think the main decision-making is coming from Dan DiDio up there, So, which, unfortunately, hasn't been the best. You guys bring up Star Wars Clone Wars a lot. Yes, we do. <laughs> I just got to say, awesome transition there. <laughs> just dive right into the next paragraph. <laughs> and I must agree that this is one of my all-time best shows. And it's nearly as good, if not as good, as the Dini Tim Batman animated series. Oh, Tim, do you agree? He said it perfectly, yeah. It's, Batman the animated series is at the top for me, but this, yeah, nearly as good. And like you said in parentheses, <laughs> if not as good. It's debatable, yes, but right now, Batman the animated series is still number one. <laughs> I loved how it was multiple stories, building to a big ending, and how it made you love and care for the characters. The, fate, the fates of both fives and Mike probably sounds like Fives. <laughs> the phones are Australian, though. They're New Zealand. Yeah, but, I mean, New Zealand is pretty much Australia, except it's colder. <laughs> and um, Lord of the Rings was shot there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big thing. <laughs> That's a big difference, right, Tim? Yes, it is. See, so I'm right, right? Okay, yeah. I'll give it to you. <laughs> Uh, the fate of both Fives and Ahsoka were incredible and heartbreaking. Yep. That is one of the things I love over the Batman DC stuff is just how emotionally invested you get with the way they do stuff. It's just how oh, they do uh, Star Wars characters. I hope that someday we get a show as good as the Clone Wars, but in the DC universe. Cutscene storyline. Oh, shit. <laughs> 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 I'm skipping all over the place. My friend said to me the other day how well the Injustice cutscene storyline could be as an animated show. And I totally agreed with him because of how that story is. You can... <laughs> I don't know if it's the way Mike writes or if 
or if it's something else, but I have a hard time reading his emails. <laughs> I think it's because he doesn't use periods and commas and stuff. <laughs> I totally agreed with him because of how that story is. You can get that emotional response when a character dies or something big happens like that. Hopefully the DC Universe movies have this. They better have it. Yeah. <laughs> They're building a whole universe, though. It better. I've been reading the older stories I got from the digital store, and I noticed that Batman was a little less moody like he is now. The main ones I'm onto that I noticed was the book. Was the books set just after the nightfall, after nightfall when Bruce takes back the cowl from Dick, mainly written by Chuck Dixon and Alan Grant. He even has some small jokes and a smirk. I wouldn't say smile as Batman shouldn't smile. My qu- my main question for you is do you guys like this style of Batman or do you prefer the all business Batman? I personally like the Batman who has a sense of humor. It should be a dark humor and not believe in what? And not believe in his own hype too much. Tim? Yes, you read it right. <laughs> okay. As this seems more what a guy who dresses up like a bat should do. Otherwise, he he would be completely bonkers. Until <laughs> next time, keep up the good work, Mike. Well, I would say that for me personally, I kind of like the more like businesses, uh, all business Batman, like Mike described here. Uh, my favorite interpretation of the character, or just how his personality is, is the new adventures of Batman in the animated series where they had to redesign. Because that Batman was just focused on nothing but being Batman. And I, he did have a few, I wouldn't say jokes, but he did crack a smile every now and then in the series. But usually all he was focused on on catching the criminals, fulfilling uh, whatever mission he was on, and just that came first. I mean, you see it all in the episode Old Wounds where Dick has his graduation and how Batman missed Dick's graduation just to find the whereabouts of the Joker. And how he didn't care even that Dick was at his graduation. He called him in to, for backup and to help him take down the Joker. So, yeah, it could be viewed as kind of more cold than a Batman that you really can't root for because he can be a jerk. But there's just something about the determination he has of that. That's what has dedicated his life to and is how so engrossed and important that is to him. I just like that aspect of the character and is how dark he can be. But yet, as dark as he is, he's still doing it all for good and <laughs> this I've said that before too. That's something I really like about the character. Someone so dark who could be so like violent too to criminals, but yet he's still on the side of good and justice. So that's pretty much the Batman I always like. And yeah, the new Batman Adventures version is pretty much the perfect example of that version of Batman that I like the best. I prefer the Adam West. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the old uh, 40 serials ones. <laughs> oh, man. Where Batman is fat. <laughs> His ears are crooked. <laughs> um, no, I prefer uh, the darker Batman that doesn't joke or anything. I don't know why. Uh, maybe it's the Christopher Nolan movies. Because Batman is really dark in that one. But I tend to prefer those. Yeah, just... Just... Yeah, it just yeah. fits the character better. I mean, that's how he's intended to with Bob Kane and Bill Finger. And, of course, he's had different, I mean, 75 years, he's had different versions of them. And each one is valid for the most part, except for, like, Batman and Robin. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the dark version just fits, fits the character so perfectly. And, yeah, he can crack a joke or a little smile then, but as long as that doesn't dominate, <laughs> that's what matters when you talk about the character, or the version of the character that I like. I wonder if there's anybody out there that's, like, um, 
they they really really like the Batman and Robin Batman, <laughs> the George know, Clooney Batman. I I really think there's someone out there. There's got to be. This is a yeah yeah big world. <laughs> a lot of different people. Well, I mean, it. it's not only that. It's like I wonder if there's somebody out there that really really is you know likes that movie, and um, to the point where they don't read the comics or they don't read um, or or they don't see watch uh the the dark knight trilogy just because it's it's not their batman you like i said it's possible <laughs> so many different people out there are fans they're even to maybe someone who just wants to be different and maybe they really don't but they'll say it till the day they die that they prefer batman and robin over the dark knight trilogy which <laughs> if someone says that you really can't take them seriously but again I, this world is full of different people and there's someone out there who's going to say that and I would like to hear from this person or meet this person who says that <laughs> if you're out there and listening let me know or maybe if you're at a convention or somewhere I wonder if someone even broadcasts that <laughs> that's not something that will go over too well I would think if you say you like Batman and Robin <laughs> as your definitive version over the Dark Knight trilogy or any other version <laughs> But I know you're out there. I know who you are. <laughs> I know you're out there. I know who you are. Um, so, yeah, thank you, Mike, for the email. It's always great hearing from you. And thanks for following us on Twitter. Yeah, great to yeah, have that, you on board. That was, that was pretty cool. Now we can interact uh, with you on a daily basis. Yeah, and Tim can irritate you then. Yep. <laughs> or there. <laughs> now, now me and Mike can talk more 311 all we want. Oh, no. I'm so, so glad I don't have access to your personal Twitter account. <laughs> Mike's 311 talk would be just mind, mind-numbing. mind Hearing the both of us talk, it'd probably yeah. be crazy. Like, oh, did you get the newest CD, the newest uh, 311 album? I got to put the question yeah. out to Mike. I got to find out his favorite 311 album and his favorite 311 song. <laughs> you, can, you can tell me that on the next email. Which one is the green one with uh, that? Uh, what's uh, that song called? Uh, come original. Yeah, come original. That album's called Sound System, though. Oh. And it's a great. It, so, so is that like their best album? It's it's one of their best. It's probably like oh. my top three. That was their fifth one. Came out in 1999. Well, I'm gonna tell you is the that... day I got it, Dane. It was a Tuesday in October. I went to the Tower <laughs> Records. Do you remember Tower Records? <laughs> <laughs> Those ancient ancient sites. Yeah. <laughs> uh, remember record stores? Those were a thing. <laughs> now now it's only Amazon. Yeah, pretty much. And iTunes. <laughs> yeah, and or iTunes. Your music. Or occasionally if you walk into a Target or Walmart, you can get a CD if you have yeah. it there. <laughs> or if you have to get your girlfriend a bra. Yeah. <laughs> I just buy one to <laughs> make it like it is not there for a bra. Um, is there any more Sam goodies? Jeez, I don't think so. <laughs> At least not that I've seen around here. And I hear uh, GameStop is having a hard time too now. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. I guess people are getting like their games digitally. Yeah, as long as they still have their used game market, that's still going to be a big thing for them. Yeah. It's cheaper, and that's where they get most of their business. And you wouldn't believe how much, when I worked there, you had to push the used games. Really? Yeah, because like, that's where they get all the money spent on that goes to them, since they're not buying it from the publishers at all. So any... Oh, it's all profit. Yeah, so like that's how they really pushed it. You get a, a brand new game, you've got to push the used one even more. <laughs> 
Really? Yeah. So so let's say I go in and buy the new Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. I would say to you, you, you would. Yeah. I would say, you know what? We actually got a used copy. Would you like that more? It's like five dollars cheaper. Oh, I see. I see. So so you would try try to get me to pay for the used copy. Exactly. Yeah. Instead of the new brand new copy. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. And then I try to have you get our subscription to our discount card and a subscription to Game Informer magazine, so you can get ten percent off your used <laughs> games. Even though that was ten years ago, now I think it's different <laughs> since I worked there. So. Really? So so you have to push the rewards card or whatever that is. Yeah, I had to push that and reservations. They really wanted to push like get customers to reserve their games. Why though? Just so they can guarantee get guarantee that five dollars, hopefully, <laughs> for them to come back and pay the rest. Like for the whole game. Well, and it's five dollars towards buying the actual game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, as a customer, it's so annoying. <laughs> like I <laughs> hated doing it because I know if I was a customer, I'd hate it hearing all that stuff. If I wanted to, I'd let you know, but I had to say it. <laughs> and you had to push the Game Informer magazine. Yeah, that came with your discount card. <laughs> <laughs> For free, or you had to pay for that? Yeah, it's like ten bucks. No, it was. Oh. Was it ten bucks? Yeah, just ten bucks. Yeah, but if you were buying a used game, you'd already save ten percent off it, so it would be like a little cheaper if you bought it with a used game. And I still remember all my sales pitches too. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 did you feel bad? Like, like somebody would come up with their game, and, be, and you would have to say that, and it would be like, uh. You feel dumb if they don't if they say no. Like no, I want the new game. <laughs> like uh, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, I know. But could you just do me a solid? And yeah. I just <laughs> uh, the GameStop days. <laughs> it's a good thing you weren't uh, judged or your job performance wasn't judged on that on it, how many people you could get by the user. It kind of was actually. Yeah, they'd look at that. They'd take it seriously. For raises and. Yeah, they like they talk to you like I noticed your subscription and reservation numbers have been down. Is there anything okay? Like, is there a reason behind this? Yeah, I don't feel like pushing stuff on people that don't want their right. stuff. Like people are just saying no. <laughs> I don't have a roll over that. And I remember GameStop used to have um, they used to have the old Game Boy games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the square cartridges. Yeah. And those used to be only be like twenty five cents, and I was thinking, why even have those? I mean, are you that desperate for a quarter? Yeah. <laughs> Just if they're selling it for twenty five cents, that means they got traded in for like five cents. <laughs> really? Yeah. So it's only a quarter of the price. Yeah. Or like it depends on the game. The yeah. Like if you get a sports game, like six months or like a year after the next one comes out, you'd probably only get a dollar for like last year's title. Really? Yeah. So, so you could go in and buy it for sixty dollars, and then wait one year, and then come come back again, and it'll be like a dollar. Yep. The only way you get more for it is if you trade it in to reserve the next year's title, like the next uh, baseball, like that will be the show. You trade in your last year's money yeah. to reserve it, you get like more money for it that way. But without oh. it, it'd be like a buck or something. <laughs> oh, so that's how they get you. Yep. So, so what if? Um, I come in and trade in my new PS4 for credit or whatever. Yeah, see, I wonder how much those are now. Well, at least when I was working there, I was like the PS2, Xbox, yeah. GameCube era. You get like like around 150 for them, like what you trade in for it. So like half price? Yeah, sometimes they'd have deals, like I said, if you got to reserve a 
or like even on a weekend you can get 10% when you trade in a system like towards this game or a new system or something like that yeah yeah like the standard is like usually like 150 you'd get for it then you'd have to test it out make sure it works <laughs> oh. uh, those are the worst days when you're about to close shop and someone comes in with a like, oh. two systems and trying to say like no come back tomorrow <laughs> like no just i don't see you i don't see you yeah, yeah. just walk off <laughs> Uh, they'd be all dirty and you gotta clean it like uh. <laughs> and you also have to check the disc for scratches right yep. like the uh, video game yeah you wouldn't believe how messed up some of those discs were <laughs> so so what do you tell the person like oh sorry some we of can't... them are so bad we can't take but if any scratches are wrong there'd be a refurbishing like fee we'd have to knock off the credit they would get which is oh, like really? two bucks or something like that they'd so even if it's a light scratch yeah, it's up to the person taking it to, like, judge it whether it needs to be refurbished or not. Oh. Some of them are just filled with scratches. They'd still work, too, which was crazy. And then some that look okay, they don't work. <laughs> so so that must have been awkward, though. Like, like somebody comes in to trade in a game, and then you – the disc is really, really scratched, and it doesn't even play. And you got to, like, turn around and be like, uh, sorry, we can't take this. Yeah, it's like, you know what, you'd get two bucks for this normally, but since it's scratch, I have to charge you two bucks to refurbish it, so you're not going to get anything for it. So, like, so you're you pretty go. much giving this to me for free? Yeah, <laughs> sometimes they say, you know what, I don't even want it anymore, you can do what you want with it, just take it off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, so what I'm wondering, I mean, this is really interesting to me, because <laughs> the, the ideas behind GameStop. GameStop. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, if... Like, let's say a person under 18 wanted to buy a mature game, right? But they don't have a parent with them. What would you say? I uh, can't sell it. You have to come back with your parent. That's it? Yep. So, so what if he was like, oh, Tim, but, you know, well, he wouldn't call you Tim. He'd be like, oh. I have my name badge on, so we could. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He'd be like, oh, Tim, come on, please. I really wanted this game. This is for my dying brother. <laughs> Well, I never would say it's for a dying family member, but I did get people trying to beg it, please. Even really? kids would be like 16. <laughs> like, sorry. And oh, they have to have that be too. Like, Why, though? I mean, it, it, is there like a regulator that comes by? Like, like uh, keeps track of it. Like, uh, every time a, you scan in a mature game, a thing would pop up. Like, have you checked the ID to make sure this person's 17 or whatever? And you got to click yes. And so it keeps track of the sale the records for it. Yeah, but how, how would they know, though? I know, it's kind of weird where you can't, technically they can lie about it and they wouldn't know, but it's still just to let you know that they're being, like, they just want you to make sure that they're they're doing their part to make sure their employees know that you should be asking this and all that. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder how it is there now. <laughs> I'm sure it's totally different <laughs> as far as how everything structures, as far as trade-ins go and the value of certain things. Sometimes I feel like I like to just work there for a day just to see how different it is from when I worked there 10 years ago. <laughs> see, it, it almost sounds like the, the refurbish, or if you're going to trade in a game, it's like you're getting ripped off. Oh, you totally are, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to sell, to get somewhat value for it, you have to trade in your game like two weeks after it comes out. That's like where it's as high as value. So, so what if I open the package up, open the game up, let's say the new Call of Duty. I, I play it, I beat it in one day, and I want to go back and trade it in. Yeah, you'd probably get twenty-five to thirty bucks. Thirty bucks, really? Yeah. 
Now, when I first started there, you could actually return your game for a full refund if it was open. So that's like maybe the first two months I started working there, then they stopped. Yeah. I had people come in, it's like saying, I want to return this. Like, I beat it already. I'm like, okay, like, <laughs> <your> money back. <laughs> that was a stupid policy. <laughs> they finally got caught. I was like, yeah, we shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, it's because um, one of my friends, he used, to, um, he used to buy games from GameStop. And he would play it, see if he liked it, then go back and return it, right? Mm-hmm. Get his money back. And he would go out to Sam Goody because Sam Goody had cheaper games, or the games for cheaper. Uh, <laughs> and he would buy it from there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so stupid. Yeah, you can just say you didn't like it, and okay, you can return it. Yeah, I wonder was, what their return policy is now. Yeah, it's so different, I bet. Like, I know at least when I was, you had to be sealed and all that now, where for to get a full refund on a brand new game. Yeah, yeah. Man, it sounds like you were miserable there, too. <laughs> there were some good times. Like just their, their policies just got stupid as it went on. So so tell me a good time, then. No, I mean, just like with the people that you work with. <laughs> oh. Oh, so, so, so none of the, like, the, the job part of it had to... Well, was good. It was cool to like talk about games with customers and all that stuff. With the good ones, anyway, you get stupid customers in there sometimes. But <laughs> oh, you mean people that would be like rude to you? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Try to pull fast ones on you. So, 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 what is like the most, like the rudest thing somebody has said to you? Uh, one time, someone I could was like one of the situations with a trade-in where he wasn't happy with the value, with like the system. He just told me like to. F off <laughs> or like F you type thing. Like, <laughs> just like okay, well, like, just go ahead and leave then. <laughs> oh man, it sounds like a nightmare over there, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm so glad. Like, I was thinking about working at GameStop when I was in high school, but <laughs> people were coming. Oh, this got to be the best dream job ever. Like, when I grow up, I want to work here. Like, I'll save you the trouble, kid. <laughs> it's not worth it. <laughs> it's kind of terrible, actually. <laughs> You're better off working at McDonald's. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, anyway, yeah, that's our games GameStop uh, conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, thanks, Mike, for sending in the email. You know we love you, and uh, thanks for following us, man. Uh, and as for Alex and Corbin, Corbin, what the hell, man? What the <laughs> hell? We told you on Twitter we were recording earlier. <laughs> yes, we did. Alex, we'll forgive you, man. Everything's good. We still love you. Corbin, you know what? It's kind of disgraceful that you call yourself a bad fan. <laughs> <laughs> disgraceful. <laughs> How dare you? Actually, I'm looking forward to Corbin's next email because he tweeted out. He has this whole story synopsis plan for like the what would happen in the nolan universe after the dark knight rises and i told him to let us know so i'm looking forward to see what his proposed story is going to be for that yeah i've expected um, something epic corbin <laughs> <laughs> but i was thinking just now instead of i mean now that we have our new name we can start calling our listeners timmy timers Ooh, that's a good one yeah yeah you see <laughs> You see Timmy Time and the Bat Fan Revolution? And this song goes out to all you Timmy Timers out yeah, there. Yeah, Timmy Timers <laughs> out there. So <laughs> Mike is a Timmy Timer. Alex is a Timmy Timer. Jake, I don't know where, the, where you are, but you're a Timmy Timer. Uh, Corbin, 
you're unfortunately a Timmy Timer. <laughs> and Rob, with uh, his podcast, Everybody Loves Steve Jobs. <laughs> Steve Jobs. <laughs> He's a Timmy Timer also. It's a whole Timmy Timers fan club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, like, like you know how uh, Disney has the Mickey Mouse Club? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like Pearl Jam has their club, their uh, online club. Where you can get like tickets and stuff faster. Yeah. <laughs> I like we the, can have the Timmy Timer Club. I like the Mickey Mouse Club comparison. <laughs> to get everyone some Timmy Time hats, whatever those look like. <laughs> just a picture, just like a picture of you, just right on the top. Yeah. <laughs> and then t-shirts or, or a picture of you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, we gotta get this fan club up and running. <laughs> I know. It's like. Or maybe we should start doing that. If you're a Timmy Timer, if you're part of the Timmy Timer Club, uh, we'll, we'll send you the 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 podcast earlier. Mm, there you go. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but but if you're not, you, you can wait for the it to be on iTunes. <laughs> not too much of an incentive, but there you go. That's yeah. the least we can do. <laughs> yeah, right. So so all you got to do is email in and say you want to be a part of. Part of the Timmy Timer Club. Maybe one day you'll get an official name badge or ID membership card or something. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a post-it note. It'll be sent in the mail. <laughs> post-it note. <laughs> <laughs> like um, how most fan clubs start. Are you ready to join the exclusive like members club of this particular <laughs> group or whatever it's called. Uh, now we're going to say, are you ready to join the exclusive membership of the Timmy timers? Yeah. And then we, and then we can, um, we can have like a, a like a Timmy timer con. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Only be five people. Just, <laughs> It'll just be it'll just be panels of you and me all day. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, th- thank you everybody for sending in an email, even though you didn't. And <laughs> we for- like, we forgive you, especially Tim. Tim forgives you. Not like uh, I'm my Timmy timers. <laughs> That's such a weird word. It's <laughs> Timmy timer. <laughs> But um, now we can move on to our comic book reviews. And just remember, it's a lot of spoilers and stuff. So if you have read your books, you might have to come back to this part later. Uh, for this week, we have Arkham Manor number three, Batman Robin number 37, and Batman number 37. So Timmy, Timer. Timmy That's Time. Like, our review school has to be something to do with Timmy Timers. <laughs> yep. Uh, or, or how about... Uh, Awful experiences that Tim had at uh, GameStop. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll save Timmy Timers another time. Though. <laughs> okay. Arkham Manor, Batman Robin, and Batman. Yeah, I went to the comic shop last week. They were late, didn't get their shipments in for a lot of books. <laughs> like, oh, I picked up three, so I had no Robin Rises, no Batman Eternals. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, that always happens around Christmas time. I remember that always used to happen to... Um, uh, my comic book shop, and I was still picking up physical copies of it. Yeah, I was like, oh, I didn't get, I got Batman and Robin a little later. I'm like, oh, comes, I can get that along with Robin Wright. It's a good way to end up this arc. But no, they didn't have it. Like, ah. <laughs> but we'll kick things off first with Arkham Manor number three, 
which actually there's only going to be three issues left after this. They're saying it's only going to be a six issue run and then that's it, which I think is probably going to be a good thing because I don't see how long they could drag out this type of story of uh, Wayne Manor being Arkham with Bruce kind of investigating over there. So I think six issues is going to be a good amount. But with issue number three, Bruce is still undercover trying to find the murderer who's killing inmates in there who he thinks is Victor's ass. So he tried before going undercover as a criminal, but he got uh, caught when, when he tried to stop the murderer from killing some one of the inmates. But now he's going to try disguising as an orderly there. And this issue, it was good for the most part, but I felt there was one moment in there that was kind of felt filler where I don't know how it's going to go to the overall story. And it has to do with the inmate he got attacked on the last issue. And there's, they're bringing him out to go to the hospital. And it turns out before he goes to the hospital, there's a sinkhole that's <laughs> right there where he falls into under like the snow collapses and then he falls into the cave. And uh, he has, he's getting attacked by rats. But then the orderly or the worker at Arkham, uh, Border, Eric Border goes in to save him. And we know he's the Joker, but he hasn't revealed himself yet. So it was kind of weird seeing the Joker go out of his way to help someone. And there's kind of a nobody, really. Just this inmate in Arkham who got attacked and Joker's going to help him. But that, I don't know if that's going to play in the factor later on this character, but right now this character just seems filler, this inmate, because the issue actually ends with him being transferred to the hospital. And we see the, uh, the, the ambulance crash into a hospital and the drivers, the paramedics are killed because uh, this inmate killed them. And there's just something about him where it seemed like he was going to play a role later on. I hope it's something that has a payoff and it's just something separate to the overall story. So... I just felt that whole aspect with this character felt filler. But with Bruce investigating Arkham, I just love the parallel how it's making where this is his home. And even in his monologue, he's comparing it how Jeremiah Arkham used uh, the original Arkham Asylum was his own house. And that got uh, transformed into the insane asylum, which is Arkham. And now it's kind of ironic that it's happening to him now. So this is whole parallel between... Wayne Manor now being in Arkham and how that's the same it was for Jeremiah Arkham and just Bruce realizing that and just seeing him go through his house that's now the, the home of Arkham. It's still it's still a cool novelty effect, I think, where we're seeing this different Wayne Manor than what we've seen throughout this whole year. So one another thing, too, where Bruce knows thinks it's Victor's ass this whole time, but... For me, I kind of knew all along this person murdering the inmates there wasn't Zass because Bruce was so sure of it, and he just kind of knew it was a red herring. And we do later, as Bruce uh, investigates, kind of like uh, he breaks down a wall that was being concealed as kind of a, a hideaway point for this murder that Bruce finds out. He investigates in there, and he sees Victor Zass pretty much brutally, almost murdered, really. He thinks he's dead when he first sees him, but he's still alive. He's just been tortured and just kept scrunched up into this like crawl space in the wall and just like totally battered and beat down. But um, the thing that probably I like most about this issue, besides the parallel that uh, Bruce was making with his house in the original Arkham Manor or Arkham Asylum, was that uh, the orderly here, Eric Border, he finally reveals himself as the Joker. And it's good to finally get that out of the way because since we know that already, it's good that, because you're expecting that in the story since we're seeing that character around. We know he's going to show up eventually. So I just like how he's saying that Batman's so different now. Like he can't even recognize his greatest enemy anymore. Like when he's right in front of his eyes and even asked me for help. Because in the last issue, an inmate got brought in who Bruce had suspicions of. And he told a Border to go take care of him because he knows this guy. He can trust this guy and this inmate's going to be trouble. But this is where Joker reveals himself with when that inmate that Bruce had him look over he pushes him out of the wheelchair and he builds himself to be the Joker. 
and he pretty much uh, does something which I hope doesn't get too like this story doesn't get too filled with Batman villains in here because this inmate that brought in the last issue that Joker uh, came and revealed that he was Clayface so but it's a different type of Clayface it's like Joker gave him some Joker toxin and that reactivated his clay form but it's different it's like a clay face joker it's white he has a big grin and smile on his face it's an interesting design it looks pretty cool but i just hope the story is going to be infused with too many things going on because you got bruce looking for his or he found zaz but we got this other murderer here we got uh joker we got this clown or he actually calls him clown face in this issue which is an appropriate name and then we got the story going on with the uh, other inmate i'm blanking on his name right now who victor zaz or the person pretending to be Zass attacked in the last issue. So there's like four different storylines going on and we'll see if they all uh, pretty much run into each other to make one cohesive story and not something that's going to be unnecessary and just convoluted in the end. So this issue is still pretty good, but some stuff I could have left out, I think, to tell a more cohesive story with Bruce investigating the murders here in Arkham Manor. So I'm going to give this one three out of five awful experiences I've had at working at GameStop. No, you have to say Tim had. Oh, I got to say in the third person. Okay. Yeah. Three out of five awful experiences Tim had working at GameStop. <laughs> now the score is official. <laughs> yep. Okay, Batman number 30, or Batman and Robin number 37. This issue is pretty much, well, I shouldn't say the last issue, but the last issue in Batman and Robin that's dealing with Robin Rises, because like I said, I didn't get the actual Robin Rises alpha issue, or was it Omega? I forget. <laughs> well, the last issue of that storyline, so... This one is pretty much a cool battle sequence between Batman and Darkseid. It's pretty much a whole action-based issue up until the end. And Patrick Gleason's art in this is really cool. I just love his design of Darkseid and that Batman suit. It just looks so awesome. And then just seeing the two fight, it was just really cool. I just love seeing Batman take on Darkseid because Darkseid, no, he's just a lonely mortal. He thinks everyone on Earth can't compare to him, even like Superman and Wonder Woman, even though they're not from Earth. He still thinks of them as lowly beings, but to have Batman or someone who's just a human take him on and put up a fight was just cool. Batman, he gets beaten up pretty bad by Darkseid, but in the end, it's kind of what he wanted to, because he wanted Darkseid to fire his Omega Beams, because that's the power he needed to activate that uh, crystal that he needed to bring back Damien. So Darkseid shoots his beam, Batman takes the crystal shard, and he just infuses that power crystal with dark the energy from dark sides omega beams so with that batman just puts that shard into the suit like the chest plate of his suit and it just like powers up his suit a bunch to where he's able to uh not necessarily beat dark side but he just pretty much stops him in enough time so he can get damien's coffin and escape with the other family mem- batman family members where they're fighting with cyborg to try to get the boom tube operated that's batgirl was trying to get it his suit fixed to get the bone tube activated again. That was pretty much the subplot of this one, but it was pretty much all action with Batman fighting Darkseid, and it was cool to see. But then when they get back to the Batcave, this is where the heart of the issue really kicks in, where Batman's going to use the powered uh, crystal that got that he got from Darkseid. He was going to use it. That's pretty much what he needed to bring Damien back. But at the same time, it's killing him as it's, it's just zapping so much of his energy and that it's, it's going to kill him if he leaves it in there any long. So he's, there's a cool panel in here where he's struggling to take it out, where it's, this, it's either going to be him or Damien. So he, there's these cool panels where we've seen flashbacks. We see Batman in the center trying to take out the shard, but then we see in the background Damien getting killed. We see his parents getting killed, kind of like choosing like it, like what he's devoted his life to because of his parents died, and then just 
his offspring, his son, Damien. So I like that panel a lot. And in the end, he's able to get it out from himself and just stab it in the heart, kind of like you would a stake into a vampire. <laughs> he just stabs it right there in Damien's chest. And he brings him back, which unfortunately we already knew since DC spoiled that a long time ago. It was still cool to see this panel play out, though. I mean, there's that great splash page where we see once Damien wakes up, just him and Bruce embracing and just the look of relief Bruce has and then just the smile Damien has. I mean, where we knew the relationship started to where it's come from now, it's pretty cool to see play out. But then the issue ends with the energy Bruce got from the Omega Beams and that crystal shard taking its toll. After greeting Damien, he just collapses, and the last page is Damien screaming out, like, Father, as Bruce has collapsed on the floor. But unfortunately, I don't know what happens afterwards since the comic shop didn't have the next Robin Rises issue. But my biggest complaint about this one was that we knew beforehand Damien was going to come back, and there was no... Like, you didn't feel, like, no threat or, like, uh, wonder if Bruce was going to succeed or not. You knew he was. You knew Damien was coming back. Like, he's fighting Darkseid. I could have been reading thinking, oh, is Bruce is going to sort of, like, get what he needs from Darkseid? Is Damien... Is he going to escape with Damien's coffin? Is it going to be destroyed? I don't know what's going to happen. But I knew going all along that Damien's going to come back. So that was disappointing. And unfortunately that took away a little bit from my enjoyment of this issue like i said earlier talking about batman 35 i enjoyed that so much for not knowing and this one knowing a lot about it it took away a little bit so it was still a good solid issue it's cool that damien's back I'm interested to see how he's going to work with superpowers that's why i was kind of hoping to read robin rises the final issue after this but it's going to be a little bit but for this issue number 37 i'm going to give it three and a half out of five times uh, miserable experiences Tim had working at GameStop. I think it would have been better if I wasn't spoiled on Damien coming back. That's what gets me. It's like it's such a shame. I could have had a cool experience with it when Damien first came back, but unfortunately DC had to ruin it. Well, that's the only way they know how to promote their books. Yeah. <laughs> and I know you're right. <laughs> just give it away. Just give it away three <laughs> months earlier. Take the surprise out. Okay, now time for Batman number 37. And yeah, this one did not disappoint. If you've followed our account on Twitter, I said that uh, this was issue's probably going to get a 5 out of 5. And I'll just get that out of the way right now. It's getting a 5 out of 5 awful experiences Tim had at GameStop. I absolutely love this issue. Uh, maybe not quite as the same level as Batman number 35, because the shock value in that issue, like I said, it played so much in my enjoyment. While there wasn't so much shock in this one, what Scott Snyder's doing with Joker here is just really cool and like just giving a new creepy edge to him that I haven't read before in a long time. And I think so far in three issues in, I'm liking what he's doing with Joker here more than in Death of the Family. It's just really cool stuff. Because the issue kicks off with Bruce because we know he got gassed. Um, Joker had him captured and he was gassed. And so he's feeling the effects of his toxin. And we just see on the first page him like paralyzed. He's seen Alfred and Julia trying to figure out what to do about the city that's been infected by this new Joker toxin. And Bruce just standing there unable to do anything. But he's able to get out of it. And then Bruce and uh, Alfred and Julia kind of tell him what's going on and how nothing like any counter antidote they tried making that's not working. This, this new Joker toxin is fighting off whatever new antidote they have cooked up for it. So Bruce has to find the source of it. He needs to find the person who was first infected with it, and that's where he's going to go to see if he can try to get uh, create the cure for it. And before he goes, he talks to Gordon. He actually calls him. You see uh, what ringtone or Commissioner Gordon has for Batman when he calls. You see 
the song uh, I Fought the Law on <laughs> Batman's ringtone or Gordon's ringtone for Batman. I thought that was pretty funny. So Gordon kind of gets Bruce up to date or Batman up to date on what's going on with the city. I was this new type of Joker talks and that pretty much if you're infected, it, you target people that you're closest to or that you love or that you have like high respect for. So he figures if a lot of people, these people see Batman on the streets, they're going to go crazy for him. It's kind of like a zombie movie, but instead of zombies, there are people infected with Joker toxin. And it reminded me a little bit of the animated series episode, The Last Laugh, the one where it's April Fool's and Joker spreads this toxin that causes everyone to laugh. It's like that, except on a more dangerous scale where these people could kill each other and just cause damage to the city. But it's Joker toxin on a city-wide scale, which is pretty cool. It's not just limited to a certain few people or a small area. It's pretty cool to see it kind of on this, like, affecting the whole city pretty much because you see Gordon had himself barricaded in his home, not able to go out. So he tells Batman about uh, where the person first exposed to this virus, where it's going to be at this old uh, Gotham hospital. And Bruce is there. We see him taking out certain uh, all the infected people in there. But what I like, one of my favorite things about this issue, when uh, Gordon is investigating this hospital, it's there's like everyone thinks this hospital is haunted. There's just bad things that go on there. And there's, some people don't make it out of there. There's unexplained tragedies that happen. And as Gordon is looking at these old newspaper stories, you see it's like set in the 19, I think one of the papers from the 40s or something. And then you see in the background, you see Joker's face in there. And then you see another story about another tragedy that happened at this hospital. You see another image of Joker in there. And it's like, man, what the heck's going on? <laughs> like you can, you know, it's probably Joker did something to those papers where he docked them to put his image there, but. Regardless of how it's explained, it was just a creepy effect that is it possible to think of the idea? What well, has a Joker been alive all this time? <laughs> like, is he like some strange being that doesn't age or has been around longer than yeah, he appears to be? This that whole thing that makes you think of this: how evil and uh, powerful is this guy? Even though we know he's just a normal human being and he just does things to mess with your mind but it just added another creepy effect that i really like i just like that idea of just gordon being confused like what if the joker has been alive all this time <laughs> just this that whole idea i thought was really cool and just added something to the character but then joker busts into gordon's home and uh <laughs> this is something where i thought okay well joker's there tormenting gordon again and he sets his room on fire. Like, okay, enough to know. This is the time where Gordon should just shoot him and like, be done with it. No more of just trying to bring him in. Like, this guy's done so much. You just got to shoot him now. And eventually, that's what happens. Gordon does. But before that, what Joker does to Batman here is just brilliant. The, first, the patient Batman needs to find who was infected with the virus first. Batman goes there. And who is it? It's Joe Chill. We know in this continuity, Joe Chill is still alive. And Bruce is just shocked. He's like, that means he knows. Joker knows who I am if he's doing this on purpose. Which I kind of had a suspicion Joker did already from past experiences and stories that Joker knew who Batman was. I mean, that was implied in Death of the Family. And even in the beginning of this issue with the Justice League going after Bruce, not Batman. So, But just to see it out there, I mean, this pretty much seals the deal that Joker knows who he is. And in twisted Joker fashion, Joe Chill is in a separate a glass room, like a contamination room that Batman can't get into right away. He has to break it. But also in there, Joker set up like this set that's the Mark of Zorro Theater where Bruce's parents got killed. And in there, this other this other family, two parents and a son, they're in there with Joe Chill as the patient. And Joker is going to make Batman see what happened to him, happened to this other family all over again. Because Joe Chill is infected with the toxin and 
Batman, and he has no control of his action. He's doing what Joker wants him to do. Joe actually says to Batman, like, help me, please. I, I don't want to do this again. But Batman just staring at Joe Chill is going to murder another kid's family. And you get that parallel with Batman trying to break in the glass and Gordon fighting the Joker. And I just love how Greg Capullo labeled or laid out these panels where you see both panels of Gordon and Joe Chill shooting their bullet. And you see it hit their targets. Batman uh, dodges. Batman's able to intercept the bullet Joe Chill shot. But then Gordon shot Joker. And you're thinking like, finally like batman or gordon did it he took the shot for joker and while batman's able to save the kid's family more uh victims infected with joker talking break into that contamination room and that kid's parents get infected and so batman has to rescue and get the kid out of there and gordon's all he i love this shot where gordon has a smile and tears coming out of his face like i did it and like he came at me and i had to do no choice and i shot the joker he's like relieved kind of like i did what i should have done with this guy like a long time ago but as he shows his relief, you see in the background, Joker come out of the flames, and he just, you don't see what happens to him, but you just see, as Gordon's talking to Batman, Batman just goes like, Jim, are you there? And then you hear this bro- Joker's voice talking to Bruce, like, hello, Bruce. He says, Bruce, not Batman. So that's where the main story ends. It's just so cool, this stuff that Snyder's doing with Joker in this issue. This, like I said, is a new like level of creepiness to the character, and like, Almost a supernatural type thing. Like, is he even human? Does he have some type of power? He saw him, got shot, but yet he's still alive. He came out of the rooms in flames. We see those images of him in these old photos. Just tons of stuff that's making you think. And that's what I love about it most. It's making you second guess what you already know about the Joker. Just awesome stuff. And how he did with Joe Chill, knowing that Bruce is Batman. I just love everything he's doing here. So that gets five out of five. Uh, awful experiences Tim had at GameStop. But then this backup issue is cool too, where another inmate tells a story of like the first clown in Gotham who uh, terrorized the city. Well, it, it didn't play a huge role into the main story. I just like the idea of Joker, like poisoning the minds of these already crazy inmates, like making himself seem more like uh, powerful and just more than what he really appears to be, like building this legend for him as this ancient clown who where you weren't, once he was killed, you no one was ever supposed to laugh in the city. But because laughter came back, this clown came back. Kind of like this like old folk tale in a way. <laughs> and how this crazy inmate at Arkham, Arkham started killing like comedians and just people who would laugh to try to not make this clown come back because of the story his mom told him and it freaked him out. So I just love how Joker is just poisoning the minds of these already disturbed individuals and just making himself appear more ominous than he really is. So... I really can't wait to see where Scott Snyder is going to go with this story and what he has planned for Joker. And I don't think we're even going to get an explanation maybe of how Joker planted himself into those photos or if he, how, he, well, I would like to get an explanation how we survived the gunshot from uh, Gordon. So, but apparently I don't think we're going to get a full explanation to uh, his whole like uh, history that he's trying to plant into people's minds, which I think works best for the Joker. He's one of those characters where it works better when you don't know too much about him. So yeah, five out of five easily for this issue i thought it was great this might be a contender for best issue of 2014 or 2015 we'll see down the line when we do our 2015 year in review let's see if you remember it oh i'll remember it yeah (laughs) (laughs) it was really cool i can't wait for the next one all right well we have come to the end of yet another bat fans 
almost say without pants. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I'm going to catch you. Timmy Time and the Bat Fan Revolution podcast. Uh, this is our first episode of the new year on the first day of the new year. So it's only apt, right? Of course, yes. It's just perfect. It has to be it's done. It's just perfect. Um, but we want to remind you to head over to tweaktoaudio.com to get new headphones. And if you do decide to purchase new headphones, make sure to enter the promo code TBUSAVES. And you can get 33% off your entire order and free worldwide shipping. So just go over to tweakedaudio.com. Right, Tim? You got it. <laughs> That's what I'm here for to confirm your uh, sponsorship. <laughs> and um, you can also check out the Batman universe on uh, on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> at uh, the batmanuniverse.net and on Facebook at facebook.com slash batmanuniverse or on Twitter. And the Twitter handle is at batmanuniverse. And you can follow all of us on Twitter. Tim's Twitter handle is at timg311. <laughs> of course, it's 311. <laughs> and my Twitter handle is at DaneSaysBanana. And you can also find us on iTunes, as well as all the other Batman Universe podcasts. And you can rate and review us, and you can rate and review them, too. So go hopefully ahead and do that. in 2015, we'll get our 12th review. That yeah, hopefully. <laughs> and you can send us an email with your questions or comments or... Or just about your daily life, if if you want to tell us about that, like Mike does. <laughs> uh, and you can email us at batfanswithoutpants at gmail.com. And you can also check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash batfanspodcast. And on Twitter, and our Twitter handle is at batfans27. So with that, everybody, we, at the end of every podcast, we like to say we love you. So... We love everybody who listens, listens to this podcast. So everybody, we love you. So that we'll see you. We'll see you guys next. Bye bye. <laughs> Just a like trailing off. Bye bye. Yeah.